here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. ProRisuShop.com, your only source for authentic ProRisu merch straight from Japan. Translation extraordinaire Yatsumi has helped more than 300 fans all across the world purchase authentic merchandise, and now he's bringing that savings to you. With over 300 items to choose from, ProRisuShop.com has the largest selection of New Japan and ProRisu merchandise you can't get anywhere else. Shirts, belts, trading cards, DVDs, and more from the biggest stars of Japan, like Tanahashi, Okada, Nakamura, and of course, the Bullet Club. Get them all for the same price you would pay in Japan, with worldwide shipping starting at only $6.99. For the very best in ProRisu merchandise across the world, the choice is clear. ProRisuShop.com that's P-U-R-O-R-E-S-U shop.com. ProRisuShop.com. Joe, how are you? I don't think this is going to be the top podcast of the last couple of weeks, but... Uh, no, I'm confident it will be. We're going to try our best. What, has, what else has been? I mean, who did Goldberg interview this week? I didn't see. Well... What, what, like, what like fledgling NASCAR, like mid-level NASCAR star did Bill Goldberg talk cars with today? I don't know who Goldberg bored everybody with. I know that <laughs> Steve Austin interviewed uh, Vince McMahon. I don't know oh. if you've heard. Uh, I have and, not, so and, you'll have to fill me on that. And then CM Punk interviewed himself. Oh. He interviewed himself twice. Oh, was so, that a big deal? Um, I mean, they were sort of a big deal. I, I was impressed with his ability to interview himself I twice. Am, I am shocked that that's a big deal, Joe. Um, that the guy that <laughs> thousands of people chant his name constantly every single week when he's not on TV, that it would be a big deal when he talks. But I, Apparently, he's not self-aware <laughs> of his own stardom or something. But uh, look, I think the first interview is kind of old news at this point. 
Yeah. Um, I think anyone who wanted a breakdown point by point of the first interview probably got it elsewhere. Um, but he did do a second interview, I guess, yesterday in real time as we record yep. this on a Thursday. Um, and, and then there's the whole Vince interview, which is kind of intertwined with that. So I guess we could just talk about everything all jumbled together. That's fine. Yeah. I, we might jump around, but we'll try to do it. I mean, you could probably tell how we're going to do it. I, I, most people I'm assuming that are listening to this have listened. So you can kind of understand if we do jump around a little bit. Uh, Goldberg interviewed five-time NFL pro bowler, Fred Smurlis. Fred Smurlis of the Buffalo who Bills. Is, I don't know who Fred uh, Smurlis is. Fred Smurlis was on the Buffalo Bills. He played nose tackle. Okay. Back when, <laughs> back when teams... Were, is he Thurman Thomas era? No, no, no. Before that. Okay. Oh, Fred, Fred Smurlis was before the Super Bowl teams. He, he played nose tackle for the Bills before Mar- the Marv Levy era. Back when, like, the 3-4 was trendy the first time around. And okay, then, you yeah. know, like, everyone then converted to a 4-3, and nobody played 3-4 for, like, 20 years, right. and now everybody's playing 3-4 again. Fred Smurlis was, like, the fucking nose guard of the <laughs> NFL of the early 80s. And if you and if you, if you you Google search him, he looked like a professional football player. Let's see. Big All chin, right. big mustache. Uh, big forehead, probably all jacked up on steroids. Uh, Fred Smurlis was uh, a man's man, and you're always a man's man as well <laughs> when you have two consonants to start your name. Like he, like, like right. a very uncomfortable consonants put together. Like the name Smurlis just shouldn't; those letters shouldn't go together. But that always makes you extra manly. And Fred Smurlis was certainly uh, a man. Oh, that is a man. Yeah, Isn't that's he like he's got like a like a mullet, a big bushy mustache, a broken nose, then two pictures. He's bleeding. Yeah, it's a long flight. Yeah, I jacked out of his goddamn mind with a huge forehead. So yeah. yeah. So I, I did. I did. I not describe Fred Smurlis to it. No, you got it pretty good. Yeah, I'm looking at him now. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just time nose guard. Yeah. Yeah, Boston College. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but six three two eighty. That's funny. Six three two eighty was like gigantic and. Oh yeah, the guy was a beast at, for for his time. Absolutely. Right. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely okay, from so. you know from that, from that whole Lyle Alzado steroid era sort of football mm-hmm. player. You know, not like they're not doing steroids now, but you know what I mean. Uh, Different. They, they were just yeah, doing crazy. Then, they were just doing the basic. Like now they got designer. Well, yeah, they were they was... were shooting the horse steroids and the Winstrel V like in their ass in those days without yeah. any shame. Now they're taking the designer steroids. I mean, they're all obviously still doing illegal drugs. I mean, let's be honest about it. But uh, but yeah, Fred Smurlis. Wow, that's a big spot for Goldberg. I gotta yeah, that's say, <laughs> big Fred, big Fred. I, can't I don't wait. know where he dug up Fred Smurlis, but that that got me excited. <laughs> I I I haven't. Well, then there you go. Who's next with uh, Bill Goldberg? Fred Smurlis. I'm gonna have to listen to that. I haven't heard the name Fred Smurlis in years. Yeah. I, I'm sure he's got some mediocre insights about the today's NFL or something. So more than likely, I like to see what Fred. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised Fred Smurlis isn't dead from from some sort of uh, yeah right CT or, or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, the fact that he's cognizant and is able to speak is a plus, uh, considering that he's a 60 year old ex NFL player from the height of the steroid era. So uh, that's good. Good for Fred. There you go. Well, there you go. So bear the lead there, but uh, Fred Smurlis. So speaking of concussions, uh, CM Punk. Well, That's my best segue. I don't know. I, I don't know how to get a – I guess I could have done a roided up – I, I don't know. I don't know. There, well, there there, there, I don't know if there's a segue from Fred Smurlis. <laughs> you, I'm trying. You tried your best. Uh, maybe Fred Smurlis had a staph infection at one point. I, I can't confirm or deny that. <laughs> but uh, here's the thing with the punk interviews. Um, first of all, Cole Cabana may as well have not even been there. He was yeah, essentially yeah. just – there to provide the forum because these weren't even interviews these were just cm punk telling telling stories and i'm okay with that i mean i you know because here's the thing punk didn't go to to colt cabana to find a soft landing spot i don't believe that 
Um, he found a soft landing spot, but I don't think mm. that was his intent. I think his no, intent was to help that. out his buddy. I think his intent was to get Colt Cabana as many hits as possible for Colt Cabana's site instead of giving the interview to somebody else. Why not give it to your yeah. buddy? I, that's noble. I have no issue with that. And there, there's a trust factor there as well. Sure. I mean, yeah, there's some think, of that. Sure. Where I think he knows that this guy doesn't have an agenda and it's just his buddy or whatever. And, I, and he mentioned as such that it was just sort of, you know, there were other places he could go. And yeah, so I agree with your point that, yeah, it's it, helping out his buddy. But I think it's just also that it's it, it, he wanted it to come across as a conversation with a friend. And it was kind of that, except for <laughs> the conversation was CM Punk talking and Colt kind of interjecting every minute, like, you know, 10 minutes or so. Which, but that's fine. Which I think that's fine. what CM, I, listen. CM Punk wanted to get – this was a I need a platform to get stuff off my chest. And you present a very good platform for me, and you just happen to be my best friend. So yeah, I mean, people were ripping me saying that I want that. That how can you expect Austin to press Vince McMahon? And we'll get to mm-hmm. that. But well, yeah. The fact of the matter is, Cole Cabana was never going to press CM Punk on anything. Oh God, no. But, the yeah. fa- but here's the difference: he doesn't need. He to. doesn't need to because CM right. Punk was going to be completely forthright and let it all hang out. And here, and here's the thing about b- both of the Punk. Uh, we'll just just. We're jumping back and forth. Just deal with it. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, you essentially just combine them in the one. I find CM Punk 100% credible, and that doesn't mean that I agree with 100% of what he said. That doesn't mean that I think 100% of what he said is true, but I do find him 100% credible from the sense that I do believe every that he believes everything that he said, even if some of the stuff was, you know, maybe some stuff from his perspective. But I don't think. There was any blatant bullshitting at all going on from CM Punk in either one of those interviews. What do you think of that? I absolutely agree. And we mentioned that on Twitter as well, is that there, there were some issues with timelines. And, and, and Dave Meltzer pointed out a lot of those uh, in this week's Observer where, you know, he said three weeks and he probably meant, you know, six weeks or something like that. Or, you know, this date. And, that, you, you know, you might have had his timeline a little wrong and this pay-per-view wrong. But, no, I've always said that about Punk. And, and, and I, I respect that a lot about him, and it's always something I have respected about him. And that, and this goes back to his Ring of Honor days, too. I mean, this was, you know, do you remember his live journal days or whatever? Oh, yeah, where he yeah. would go on there and just, you know, at 3 a.m. or whatever, because he was an insomniac, and just post it. I mean, I mean, I've been following the guy's career forever. And there's one thing I've always said about him is that, you know, love him or hate him, and a lot of people hate him. And I totally get I If I knew this guy in real life, I would probably hate him. He is absolutely the type of person that I don't like personally. But I respect him in the sense that what he's going to tell you is not going to be bullshit. You might not like it. And you're probably you most likely aren't going to like it because a lot of the stuff he says is just what he feels. And he's kind of full of himself and, and he's very confident in his abilities and his word and all that sort of stuff. But he doesn't bullshit you. And, and in wrestling, that's so unique that there's no agenda to really that I feel to what he says. He's just saying what he believes in, regardless of, you know, who it's going to offend, you know, who's going to get mad. You know, we have guys like Jericho who are sort of offended by what, you know, Punk said this past week and, and, and guys like Ryback or whatever. And, and you kind of have to take that with Punk. But, yeah, no, there, I've never had an issue with his, his, his trust or, or, you know, him telling a bunch of lies because everything that he said there matched up with timeline stuff. It matched up with stuff we've heard. It, it, it matched up with stuff that was in The Observer. It all makes sense. It's stuff we've heard. It's nothing coming out of complete left field. And I, I really thought, I mean, all of them, I think the, the main point for the, after listening to both of them, was a guy who doesn't really, he's not very bitter about his WWE. I mean, he, he is to an extent, but I think this was a very cathartic thing for him, just to guy, get rid of it, and it's over, and it's done. But it wasn't an agenda thing that I want this to happen, and I want that, and, and they need to change this. More or less, here's what they do wrong, and here's why it pissed me off at the end. You know what I'm saying? Where he's not saying there, they need to do this. I, they need to have better concussion or whatever. He's saying, hey, their concussion thing sucks. That's it. He, yeah, he, and that's he, so unique in today's world where we're seeing. I mean, this week is the best week to talk about this, where everything is. I demand this needs to be changed. This has to be, and he doesn't do that. 
He goes, do whatever the hell you want. I can like it or not like it. And he didn't like it, and he chose to leave. Right, and that's I think, and and that's that's what I thought was really great about these interviews is that it wasn't a a call from the top of the hills to have you know a bunch of people you know boycott WWE, do this, do that. He's always been of the mindset, hey, do whatever the hell you want. This pissed me off, but whatever. And I, I and like I said, I don't agree with everything he said. I thought some of his booking ideas were wacky and stupid. Um, but but here's the thing: a lot of his booking ideas were just booking himself on top, and I can't begrudge the guy for that. That's wrestling. I mean, he, that's... Uh, he, wa- he made it very clear that he wanted to be the man. He wanted to main event WrestleMania. And, of course, he's going to pitch stuff that puts him in the main event because that was his career goal. And he even admits that he failed in that career goal, yeah. which I thought, you know, you know, he didn't try to sugarcoat. He said, look, I failed. My career goal was the main event of WrestleMania, and I didn't do it, and I'm never going to do it. And I failed. So I don't agree with a lot of his, his, his booking ideas. I thought, like, suggesting the three-way for WrestleMania, ah, that's stupid. Nobody wants to see that. Um, I don't agree with uh, with somebody else. like I don't agree. I think the other thing I don't agree with was um, him really hyper focusing on being fired on his wedding day. Be- yeah, I, I didn't quite get that either. Yeah, I, I was I was wondering if you had issues with that or not not issues but questions about I that. Just, I, I, just I was don't very agree with him. It, look, it clearly bothered him. I mean, because he constantly brings it up. It clearly bothers him that he was fired. Oh, he, he admits that he was that he was bothered by it. Yeah. But here's the thing: who gives a shit? You quit anyway. I mean, you, you, you were never going back. I know I get the impression he was planning on going back ever. So mm-hmm. what's the difference? I think the issue, and, and I might be wrong. I don't know if I know the exact specifics, but I think it was the fact that that was going to then spark a whole nother issue because they were talking about breach of contract and, and, and payouts and that sort of stuff. I think that was more of the issue. No, more I think than... he was just annoyed that. They were, okay. That... I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I have no I, idea. I think he was annoyed that they were sticking it to him by firing him, quote unquote, on his wedding day, okay. which if that were me in that situation and I had quit the company and was not looking back and they sent me my termination papers on my wedding day just to kind of stick it to me. That's the kind of thing I would just laugh off. I would toss the thing yeah. in the trash and they're, ah, they're fucking assholes and that would be the end of that. But he's not that kind of personality. Sure. He, he took that personally. Uh, he takes most things personally. And it's like you said earlier, look, CM Punk is an asshole. I don't think there's any disputing that. I think the guy, I mean, he doesn't even really deny that either. I mean, he knows what he is. Uh, Cole Cabana says that he he's friends with him, but realizes he can be hard to get along with. He's not someone that I would probably get along. You know, I, I flip flop on that. Sometimes I think I'd get along with him, but then at other times I'm like, wow, this guy's a fucking dick. Like there's no way I'd get, (laughs) I would, I would not, I would hate him. It's, I, I think he's at best would be a guy you can tolerate in small doses, but that he's so, egotistical that it would just Mm -hmm. it couldn't take it anymore um but yeah i mean you know it's i find i found him 100 credible i have no reason to think he's lying about anything um you know i just don't agree with every single thing i I agreed with a lot of what he had to say the 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 the, the biggest takeaway from the punks from the punk uh interviews was this i love 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 the fact that he pounded home the idea of i'm an independent contractor i didn't walk away from shit because and we we were we were banging that drum from the beginning where people are no he can't quit I mean he's got a contract and we're like no he doesn't absolutely like, listen they cannot play both sides of that coin exactly they and they've done it for far too it for long too many years you can't call them independent contractors so you don't have to call them employees so you don't have to take care of them on one on one side of the coin and then turn around and call them employees on the other side of the coin when you can't just pick a side for whatever suits your argument that's fucking bullshit if he's classified as an independent contractor he didn't walk away from anything and the proof is like he said the contracts aren't worth the paper they're printed on because yeah. he fucking apparently he murdered them in the settlement because their contracts are bullshit 
Right. Their contracts are, are, are just intimidation tactics to talent who uh, to the talent to try to keep them in line. Del Rio too. He made that point. Uh, you know, they tried to keep Del Rio from working uh, elsewhere for a year, and that obviously didn't hold up because Del Rio is working matches all over the fucking globe. Right. So Brock Lesnar was a, was a famous case as well of, hey, you can't work around the world, okay? And then I'll just go work in New Japan, and like, you know, a year later because I don't care, and then just and he won the suit. It was just kind of yeah, yeah, whatever. Their contracts okay. really don't mean it. Come at me, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those three guys are, are obvious examples of okay, well, I I I I loved that point. They have to pick a fucking side and stick to it. Either these guys are true independent contractors or they're employees. And if maybe just maybe that'll be what comes out of this. Maybe these guys will finally become employees after all this. Maybe they'll get some health care. I mean, who knows? Um, Maybe it will spark some changes. Uh, Maybe if that growth on Kane's back is a staph infection, which would be the most uh, crazy timing ever. Uh, maybe there'll be some change. Who knows? You know, you got Hardcore Holly saying the same thing happened to him. You yeah. know, people digging up quotes from his book now, and 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 who knows how many of these other guys and are are hurt just as hurt and just too scared to talk. You know, because they think it's the only game in town. Um, you know, so yeah, that, to me that was the biggest takeaway from the Punk thing. You know, it's it's a brutal work environment. The pay isn't as good as people think. Look, yes, he made millions of dollars, but I'll tell you what, if his payoff was five thousand dollars. For four shows in Mexico when he was the main event. Yeah. And then you have Del Rio telling people that he knows guys in the company who worked four shows in Mexico and their payoffs for the total for being there for four days was 500 was, uh, right. You know, uh, $500 a show or whatever it was, which, which by the way, two separate stories, two separate interviews, and they match up perfectly. Yeah. Two separate guys. Because yeah, exactly. if, mid-card, yeah. If, yeah. if mid-card guys were getting uh, two grand as their payoff for four shows, it would make sense that the main eventer got about five grand, right? Got about yeah, 50 per night. So Certainly. you got two separate interviews told months apart, and everything corroborates. It all makes sense. So uh, And Matt Hardy said some quotes as of late. Uh, talking about talking WWE, and, and they're similar. Yeah, the numbers are are, are all kind of hovering that same range. So there, there's no reason to believe that th- these guys are pulling these numbers out of their ass. I mean, they're not. No, I mean, and, and we've we've heard rumblings of that from other people too. I mean, it's just the the, the pay isn't what people crack it up to be unless you're that top guy, you know. And I can see some of the undercard guys or mid carders who weren't friendly with Punk being annoyed that here's a guy who admittedly has millions of dollars in the bank bitching about his payoffs. But here's the thing: that shit trickles down. He, yeah. He's not complaining that he's that he's only a millionaire. He's complaining that he wasn't paid fairly. Who can get on a guy for that? Everybody wants to be paid fairly. Certainly. Who doesn't want to be compensated fairly? And and that's one of the issues that I had a little bit where, where people were kind of criticizing, you know, oh, you know, you make $30,000 or whatever they were saying. Or they were they were sort of doing the – and you get that a lot of time with athletes as well where you get the, oh, I roll. You know, I, I would make that in a day or, you know, I wish I could make that in, in – you know, I, I won't make that in a lifetime and all that sort of stuff. Well, all he's saying is – and it's the same thing with athletes, that if you generate revenue and if you bring in revenue, you deserve a part of that. You deserve a, a significant part of that because people are paying to watch you work. Nobody pays to watch me work. Nobody pays to watch you work. Nobody, I mean that's why you get paid that much. And, and especially in the case of Punk, where he was talking about the WrestleMania pass. And I thought that was a very interesting thing, too, because that was it sort of worked with both of his criticisms that people were saying, oh, you know, oh, you didn't work. You weren't the last match, but you were the real main event. I mean, that was the one that was built up or whatever. OK, fine. Then fuck you. Pay me what you know the main event is. If, if he was. But they did. Yeah, and and that it's was a clear the, line of demarcation of this is our main event because this is who got paid the absolutely. most. Absolutely. Versus, and, and, oh, you got built up a lot. Cool. I'll put my bank account. I'll, I'll tell the, the my mortgage company that, well, I mean, they talked most about my match. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, at, that's he's, my, that's on my house payment, right? That they talked, you know, that you can, I mean, that's, that's, 
it's easy for us to sort of say that, and, it, and it's easy for, you know, you or I or, or anybody to say, well, you know, he made more than I'll make in a lifetime or whatever, but he deserves that because you have to look at how he does compared to his contemporaries in, in context of what he's getting paid. So I absolutely got, got every criticism that he was talking about being paid. Yeah, these, these people who are saying that he was in the main event and Vince McMahon saying that there's multiple main events, that, that all those people, every, if, if, you're all dopes. That's every single one of them, the exact amount. You're all dopes because it's it's the main event is who makes the most and who and, and it's not necessarily who goes on last, but it's usually who goes on last. This isn't 1978 Madison Square Garden where the main event went on before intermission. Right. Okay. There's very rare cases now where where the true main event doesn't go on last, but it generally goes on last. And look, his point, Punk's point was a good one. I went on third from the top, and I made the eighth most amount of money. So how the fuck was I the main event? It's bullshit. <laughs> and he's right. If, if if you know, you can't make the argument from he didn't go on last and he didn't make the most money. So where's the argument? The, the, it had the most TV bill. That doesn't mean shit. What does that mean? And the bill was awful. And the bill was terrible. I don't know why yeah, people the bring TV that up. Was it, awful. It, it was horrendous. It was the Paul Bear shit. Yeah. yeah, it was awful. It was no good. So I yeah, and like he wasn't the main focal point going in there. If you really remember, the it wasn't. Rock was but... the main event. Well, exactly stop. right. <laughs> It's the fucking Rock, and the Rock was the main event, and he deserved to be the main event. Yeah. Okay. Punk thinks he deserved to be the main event, and that's fine. He's entitled to think that. He's wrong. The Rock deserved to be the main event, um, and and the Rock was the main event. If the Rock is gonna come back uh, sporadically like he did, he deserves to be in the main event because he's proven that he draws better than these guys. He was the main event. So you know, I, so just stop it. Anyone who's saying that shit, just stop it. But uh, but yeah, and I mean, and I think that that Punk and Cabana came off very badly on the second podcast when they were kind of running down the fans. Um, you know, they asked for these fan questions, then they make up this fake story that it crashed their yeah, email old, server, which I don't believe. I don't think anybody. It was on Gmail. <laughs> what email server did they think they wasn't it Gmail? Yeah, and he said he got ten thousand emails, and it crashed the uh, the server. Um, server? So the whole Google went down. I I don't know. All Gmail went down because I didn't remember. He well, that that's no one, nobody. Works if you have a dedicated email server, nobody, it doesn't work. Nobody knows what that means. It means nothing. It means we got a lot of questions. We didn't feel like rifling through them, or we got questions we didn't want to answer, so we just said fuck it. Because because I could have told you that half the questions were going to be like, all right, what do you think about uh, Daniel Bryan being booked or like you know you know what I mean? Like that's what it's going to be. Honestly, like. You would have to wad through a ton of questions to get ones that are even relevant to you know, and that's they didn't want to do. I, be, I, I, I believe that they got ten thousand emails, and I believe that they they clicked the first few and said these are derpy questions, and we don't want to. Right. We're not clicking that through any more of these. Let's just hit on some bigger themes. That, How big is Batista's dick? And they're, they're, they're just like, all right, fuck. They this. just like, didn't want to, and yeah. they even made fun of that fact that we got a, we got a lot of questions about why are wrestlers so wet when they come to the ring. Right. But I mean, instead of running down the fans and making fun of them and, and, and the way that they did, why not look, why not just answer it, have some fun with it and <laughs> explain why wrestlers are wet. I would love to yeah. know why Bo Dallas looks like he stepped out of a pool before he comes to the ring. I would, I don't know. I would it, like to know that thing, as well. When the nurse watches wrestling, she does not get over that fact. Every time a guy comes out, she goes, look at how wet he is. And I go, I don't know. Why are they so wet? I don't know. Like, like that is the only, like we have, every time we watch, Anytime the shield comes out, anytime Bo Dallas comes out, anytime you know that—that's the first question, and then she talks about it for twenty minutes, and that's it until the next wet guy comes out, and then she goes, "Why are they so? I don't know. I don't know why they're so wet. I, I don't. I think um, any wrestler who does a podcast should answer that question on their podcast yeah. because uh, that's we a, need to know. The people, the need, people to know. need to know why wrestlers are so wet uh, when they when they come out from the back. But um, this Bo Dallas is ridiculously wet. Look, no, he like 
we understand why they did the water bottle. Like, like Triple H looks like he just did like the water bottle on his head. I, I get that. That's fine. To, to make the muscles yeah. look bigger. I get. But Bull Dallas just got out of a pool. Why, like, yeah, he looks utter- seconds ago. <laughs> like, um, his shirt is stuck to his body. Like, I don't know how he gets his shirt off. That's always my thing. I was like, he's gonna because you ever have you ever you, you you've swam with a shirt on at some point. I'm assuming, right? Or like been in a, a water with a shirt Rich, on or sweat I, a lot or whatever. Let me tell you, I've got the physique of a Greek god. I am not. I, <laughs> so I'm you a never shirt swimmer. I I I happily remove my clothing uh, as much well, as possible. I do too, but... Um, I and I swim in a uh, with no shirt to show off my speedo. my bulging muscles. I have been known to wear a tiger print speedo kind of time <laughs> uh, in my younger days, but uh, well, maybe when you're sweating in hot Texas, a hot Texas summer, and that. And that that shirt's stuck to your. You can't it's get it disgusting. off. You do that stupid it's, move. Yeah, you do that stupid move where you get it like to your like ab- above your shoulders, and then you're gonna pull your damn shoulder out trying to get this thing off. You're just ripping it from the back, and like you just assume you should just rip the entire shirt. I was thinking that's that, gonna happen and, with both and, and, and if that's baby oil and not water, it's even more disgusting. <laughs> what I've always wondered too, and I, I why would you want to get lit? so we're getting into a wrestling ring? Let's get as greasy and like mucky as possible, and then have people try to like lift me up and, and slam me to the ground. You know, it's with their equally oily and like I wouldn't want to be like be dry. I would rather get a good grip. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, I don't know. What, what are we talking? It's an aesthetic business, Rich. They got, I, yeah. they got the lights, the bright the lights. lights. It shines off the light. Yeah, those muscles need to gleam. But um, <laughs> you know, that's you know, I like I said, I just you know, the, the overall synopsis for me is I believe I I, I think he has a hundred percent credibility in my mind, and I agreed with a lot of his points, but not all of his points. And um, you know, Cabana. Look, I mean, he was just a prop. You know, he was just there to, to give the forum, and he didn't really contribute anything at all um, to, 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 to any of it. And I think there's some serious uh, medical concerns now that have opened up. And um, I think, you know, this stuff is will probably come up on the next conference call. I think there's no question that investors are going to catch wind to some of this stuff, and they're going to want answers. And, um, you know, this this it's not going to go away. And the fact that they – yeah, and, and like you touched on earlier, the fact that they – you know, tried to pretend like they didn't think the podcast was going to be a big deal. I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, don't be a dick. You knew it was going to be the biggest thing. And I don't know if you've looked at Cabana's uh, Art of Wrestling page, but you can see the number of clicks that each show has gotten. Yeah, yeah. And the Punk interview, the first Punk interview is up to like 27,000 clicks. I don't know if okay. those are downloads or just listens off of the site. Yeah. I, I don't even know how that works for our podcast. Even You try to explain it to me and I never understand. But um, the Punk uh, episode has like 27,000 clicks and all the other ones are somewhere in like <laughs> 2,500 range, yeah, 3,000 right. range. So, I mean – and he knew that, and, and that's exactly why Punk chose Cabana. That we, you know, because of his buddy, and he wanted him to benefit from it. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and, you know, we said we weren't going to talk about that, and we just spent the half hour on it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You have any other thoughts on it, or? Yeah, I mean, like I said, most of it's been done, so we've everybody's kind of really disgusted at, at like I think I have more stuff about the Austin McMahon thing because I think it plays into a little bit because it's been a very interesting week in terms of how WWE runs and how WWE operates and how they communicate. So for if if you're down, I'm I'm ready to move on to the Austin McMahon because I think there's more nuggets in there that we can really expound on and make bigger points about versus the Punk one where yeah, I mean you you know the story now, you know the stuff. I mean the, the we, we talked about the, the, the medical issues and doctors and all that stuff. That's, I, I think a lot of and, – and that's the thing that's kind of funny about the, the, the Punk interview is it's not – I don't know if we really – I enjoyed the hell out of them. I thought they were really good, but did we really learn anything that was like profoundly new? 
You know what I mean? I, a lot of it was confirmation of stuff we already knew. And I thought that was the good part of it, though. You're, I do you agree with that. You are stealing my main point from the next podcast. We're, oh, I'm sorry. I, I learned more from Punk than I learned from Vince. Okay. Well, no, let's I'll go. Let's go into the, 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 let's go into this, the, the Austin. The last, point, the last point about Cabana uh, I want to make is this. You know, speaking of which, some of his lower-level shows are doing like 2,500 listens, 3,000 listens. It's not much different and than us. We're nipping at his heels. Yeah, we're not where, much. Where the hell is where the hell is Hulu Plus and 2K? Come sponsor these two guys. Right. All right. We're not that. I'll take. Listen, I will take half of whatever you're giving Cabana. I, I, let right. me go on the record right. to Hulu Plus and to 2K. Who's probably listening? Who probably just listens anyway? Yes, to, to the Hulu Plus executives who listen to us every week, and to the 2K executives who I know are listening every week. Yeah, I absolutely. will gladly take half, even though. We're probably doing 75% of the number of listeners he's doing in a given week. Because if 3,000 people listen to the Christopher Daniels interview, we nip it those. We're close to that. We're not that yeah, far right, right. off. Just, just, for, just for context, uh, number 100, the episode we did last week, uh, 1,400. It's climbing to – it'll be 1,500. Yeah, it's, 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 only, yeah, it's five, five away from 1,500. So. And it's only a week old. So there's some time for it to get some more, uh, some more action. So, uh, you know. Yeah, where's our top one? Our top one is at uh, 2,000. Yeah. Yeah, see? We're right there. We're right there. We've got, we have shows that have topped some of Cabana's shows. That's, for the record, that's Joe's dog, not mine. So Dogs, plural. Mine is sleeping very nicely. So Plural. You can hear them? Oh, both of them. Yeah, I can. They're yeah, barking from, uh, from upstairs. <laughs> so I'm surprised. I didn't, I didn't realize that you could hear them. Yeah, I can, but it's all right. Yeah, well, I know all in see all jokes. Seem so. to be done with their fit, and uh, you know <laughs> whether it's your dogs or mine. This this show would not be complete. No, without at least the dog. Without bark. a barking fit. He barked a little bit earlier. Louis barked a little earlier. I don't know if you heard it. Remember when? We, remember, remember we had Lance Archer on, and his dog started barking. Yeah, that was the greatest thing. Just, I think we had. It, it, it was just the most <laughs> fitting thing ever. It's like, look, man, if you've got a dog in the house and you're on the show, your dog is gonna go. Uh, I think Rob Conway's did too. I. Do you remember? I, I'm almost positive his did, and he was like, oh, "I'm sorry," and I'm like, "Dude, I, you have no idea. I, like, <laughs> you have no idea how <laughs> that did happen." He was like, "Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry." And I'm like, "No, it's like, trust me, it's 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 okay." If he's gonna be embarrassed about anything, it should be that second-rate Macho Man knockoff. What is that? I don't know what's what going that? on with that. What did that happen? Did he get? Did he get like hit on the head and like? Rich, I have no clue. Um. It just started. Like nobody knows when it started. Like he just showed up, and we're, everyone's just like, "Huh? What?" I can like, assure you, he does not do that in the United States on NWA shows. He just get like really high in Japan or something. Like what the? He never did it on previous New Japan shows. He's wearing like Macho Man tights. He's got Macho yeah. Man. He looks like the Macho Man. I mean, him and Taguchi are doing like some. I mean, he's he he can get away with doing Macho Man. What what's the word? The, the cosplay, isn't that the? Yeah, the cosplay. Yeah, the creepy the, uh, people. Use. New word for I'm dre- uh, I'm dressing up as something is that is so creepy. When when people say the word cosplay, I immediately think of grimy sexual acts. I don't know why. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, no, I do. It too. reminds that's, me of like like I, I think that's where it started. But well, cosplay. Now, I, I mean, I I feel like the next word after cosplay is going to be glory hole or yeah, like right. you know some other grimy odd word. They need a better word. It's just not aesthetically. It's good. a creepy word. Every time cosplay, someone says cosplay, yeah. my skin crawls. And believe me. <laughs> I'm a sexual deviant, Rich. If you haven't, uh, right. if, if you don't know that, I know you know that. Well, I, no. I, I'm a sexual deviant, and the word cosplay even makes my <laughs> skin crawl, which should tell you something. But um, what were we, oh the Vince McMahon interview? Speaking of making my uh, sexual deviants, <laughs> Vince McMahon. Another awful segue, but we'll go with it. That was not bad. No, that one was pretty good. Stop. That one was good. Yeah, we suspect that he's a sexual deviant. I just, mm. I think he's a closet homosexual. 
myself. Well, no doubt. No, absolutely. I mean, well, yeah, you a, could be both. There's a lot of evidence to support that. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily doing deviant homosexual acts or whatever. What, what are we talking about? Um, I mean, yeah, Austin McMahon pocket. What are you? You're all you're all tuckered out today. I don't know what you're. Have, you're all. We have very different views on yes, Vince McMahon uh, um, podcast. I'm gonna let, give you the floor first and 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 okay. let you explain what you liked about it. Okay. Well. When I went in, and I think a lot of it is expectation-based as well, because when I had this idea that Vince McMahon is going to be on the Stone Cold Podcast, and, and I enjoy the Stone Cold Podcast from time to time. There, there's times where I go on, and I I, I, listen, I try to listen to it every week. There's some times where I really don't like it, and it's just kind of there. And, and it's like the Jim Ross podcast in that respect, where if you get the right guest and you get the right dynamic, it can be great, but sometimes it's just kind of there. So when I heard that Vince McMahon was going to be on the Austin Podcast, I assumed we were going to get corporate Vince McMahon, and that Austin was going to go down there, you say a few questions that Vince probably gave him half the questions said, here, you know, we, we need to talk about this and, and say, well, you know, Vince, tell me about social media and how many of you guys you got to have on social media or whatever. And the interview started like that. I, I sat down and, and immediately the first thing Vince McMahon talks about, well, well, Austin says, well, how's the network going or whatever? And Vince goes, oh, it's going great or whatever. And Austin doesn't follow up. And I go, oh, OK, this is going to be, you know, whatever it is. And, and, and you know, he mentioned social media traffic and this sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Then Vince sort of got into a comfort level a little bit where he said, OK, look, it's not like a, gr you know, I'm not being grilled here. I can sort of talk about whatever, you know, I, I can sort of talk a little bit without having to worry about playing the corporate Vince McMahon or whatever. So it went on and went on, you know, and, and, and I'll admit, I, there wasn't anything that was like profoundly groundbreaking about it, but I thought it was open. And I thought the biggest thing was not what I, not what Vince said himself, but the confirmation of a lot of stuff that he said. So, so I think we don't differ nearly as much on that where I think you, we'll get to yours in a second. I think people have a different idea of how I, I viewed it as, I didn't think Vince said anything that was really that amazing. Or I was like, wow, that's really, you know, I, I'm glad he said that, or he really opened up about this. I don't think he really opened up, but I think he confirmed a lot of stuff about what he thinks. The stuff about the WWE being a, a prop like Jake, the snake snake or whatever, or the Cobra similar to that. The stuff about Cesaro, his stuff about the, the millennials and the brass ring. And, and, and another thing was, you know, him talking about how he thought raw was really good and, and, and sort of what he thought of the territories, that sort of stuff. I, it, to me, there was more of that, that I enjoyed that you were getting confirmation that, Hey, look, this is sort of why the company is what it is because this guy's running it. And this is what this guy thinks of X. And this is what he does with, you, you know, the Y or whatever. That's where my interesting thing came from. And, and I get your criticism and, and I'll let you kind of get your platform there so we can kind of bounce back and forth. But I, I was okay with because my expectations were I was going to go in there. Vince is going to talk about their 50 million social media subscribers, talk about what, how many countries they're in, basically be conference called Vince. But we didn't get that. We got more of a conversational Vince, which I thought was interesting because we don't get that ever. You differ a little bit. I, I have a lot to say. Um, let me start with this. When, when you listen to, watch, or read an interview, what is the point? of listening to, watching, or reading an interview. You want to learn something new. Thank you. Um, I learned nothing from this interview. Now, now, I don't think it was terrible, um, and I don't blame Vince. I blame Austin. Now, I don't think Austin did a terrible job. I give him a C. I think Steve Austin was in over his head, and this was way above his pay grade. I don't think he has the skills as an interviewer to handle an interview like this. And I think where people have me wrong is I is is when I when I kept saying how disappointed I was with with Austin's interview skills, I kept I kept getting reactions like, oh well, what do you think? He's not going to pin Vince McMahon against the wall and grill him. And well, I I didn't say he should grill him. I didn't say he should pin him up against the wall. But he should interview him. 
And the problem is, he didn't. You, you can you can ask pressing questions without pinning someone against the wall and sure. and, and and grilling them. And he he here, here's here's what Austin did well. Austin brought up every every key topic, in my opinion, every key topic that needed to be brought up uh, was brought up. Even a few topics that I would have never thought of to bring up, such as um, uh, Macho Man uh, going into the Hall of Fame. I would have yeah. I would have never thought to brought that up. If I was to bring that up, if I was interviewing Vince, because the WWE Hall of Fame is so far off my radar, I care so little about the WWE Hall of Fame that I never would have thought of that. But it was a great topic to bring up because people do care a lot about that. And Macho Man going in is really a very much a hot button issue and has been for years. So I thought Austin did a great job bringing up the topics that needed to be brought up. The problem I have with Austin is. He didn't ask any pertinent follow-up questions, and there were so many obvious follow-up questions that had me screaming at the TV, you have to ask him this, and he never asked. And that's where he just, he just lacks interview skills. What Steve Austin is great at is doing a conversational shoot-the-shit podcast. I don't know if anybody in the world is better than Steve Austin at that type of podcast. When it comes to conversational, let's shoot the shit about wrestling, you put Edge on his show or you put Chris Jericho or you put another wrestler on his show and you listen to them shoot the shit about wrestling for 90 minutes, it's great. And he's great at that. He's not a great interviewer. And people were tossing roses at Austin. Oh, he did such a phenomenal job. He got Vince to open up. This He did such – I don't I, – I, I, listen, I don't mean this is to, to be disparaging towards anybody who said that or, or anything else. You've never heard a good interview then because he did, he, he did a lousy job interviewing Vince McMahon. And we're going to go down, and I'll break it down, and I'll show you yeah, each and okay. every area where he did a lousy job interviewing this man. He did a good job bringing up points. He wrote down all his little points he wanted to bring up, and he hit them all. But this was amateur hour because he didn't follow up on anything. And when Vince left the door open for things, he didn't follow up. And, uh, you know, I watched it. I was 10 minutes behind everybody else because I fell asleep watching Raw. I woke up late. Well, I can't, I can't believe that. Everybody, well, well that. What did you, what did you enjoy? It's actually not, I'm not even. What a great show. Listen, How did, you missed a great one. I'm not one, trying so to I be thought. cute. I just legitimately <laughs> fell asleep. I heard it was an awful show. I didn't go back and watch the rest because I heard it was an awful show, but I fell asleep. So I was 10 minutes behind and I'm, I'm watching Twitter while I'm watching the, the interview and people are just, oh, this is fascinating. This is compelling. And I'm like. I was 10 minutes behind. I'm waiting for it to be fascinating and compelling. I was bored through this entire fucking thing. I, I, I don't know. I'm just not seeing it like everybody else. I learned nothing watching this interview. It's like you said with Punk. I feel this interview did nothing but confirm what I already knew. And maybe that's because we do a wrestling podcast. We mm-hmm. read Meltzer. We're on top of everything. I can totally see where a super casual fan watched this and learned some things. But we knew all that. Me and you and the people listening to this show. Yeah. Knew all these things about Vince McMahon already. And 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 Austin was not a skilled enough interviewer to dig a little deeper, not press him against the wall, not embarrass him, not grill him. I don't expect him to be uh, Edward R. Murrow here, okay? But you're not going to – and I, I understand that. But look, but you, he does have the right to interview him. I don't understand why people think he didn't have the right to interview Vince, Vince McMahon, open himself up to do an interview. Interview the man. So I, I'll give you examples, though, if we, if you want to go. Oh. Yeah, well, I, and, and real quick, I think the, the difference where, where you and I sort of differ a little bit is I don't know if I necessarily need it. I, I get that, yeah. In the, in the truest sense of an interview, it wasn't really that. It was 
And Austin kept saying, you know, it, it was a shoot the shit podcast where where you mentioned that he opened. I, I think he did do a good job of opening Vince McMahon up. But the problem was, is he never then the whole podcast was just that it was just them drinking. You know, you know here's the problem with that at a bar sitting there drinking and then it never got to you know the level. It never yeah, got to here's an the problem. Yeah. This is a once in a lifetime interview. Sure. With the big, You're never going to get with this the again, biggest yeah. player in wrestling. I'm sorry. You can't do a shoot the shit podcast. You have to put on your journalist hat at that point. And I know, look, I know Stone Cold Steve Austin isn't a journalist. But if you're the one to land this interview, and no one else is ever going to get this interview, by the way, if you're the one that lands the once-in-a-lifetime interview with the, with the biggest fucking fish in the pond, you have to put on your journalist hat a little bit. Again, that doesn't mean you have to grill him like he's Obama, but you, you, you do have to put on your journalist hat. And, you do, and, and here's what you can't do, Rich. You can't spend 20 minutes talking about Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon. Yeah, nobody cares about that. nobody gives a I shit. I agree with that. You cannot waste 20 minutes talking about that. And I'll tell you why that happened. And this, again, I'm going to bash Austin some more. And, I, and really, I don't – I give him a C. It's not like I thought he was terrible, but I'm going to bash him some more. He was not prepared for that extra 15 minutes. And, and, how, and how you know he wasn't prepared for it is he went right to the Austin versus Mr. McMahon stuff because he had nothing left in the tank. He checked everything off his little checklist that he said he was going to – that, he, that he, you know, he thought in his head he was going to bring up before the podcast, and he got totally thrown off by the fact he had extra time. He could have used that extra time to hit off on some compelling topics. But he was lost because he's not a strong interviewer. It's not his forte. And, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, he, he should have – like I said, if you land this interview, I, I listen, I, it, it's it, – you, you, when you have an interview with this magnitude, you got to change the rules a little bit. You're not chit-chatting with Edge. It, this is Vince fucking McMahon. And that, I, I think that's such. where – okay, and I get that. I, I totally do because that, that's – my expectations were that we weren't even going to get this. We weren't going to get a chit-chat, and I was sort of glad to, that I got that. But I I, understand, I totally understand your criticism as well, and I, I mentioned that too when, when, when people were saying, oh, you know, Joe and Rich are so much different or, you know, we think differently. I enjoyed it because I went in saying, cool, you know, I got Vince McMahon to sort of – I got to chat with him. But I, I totally see your point as well. I mean I would have been and, – and I mentioned that too, that I said it would have been really fun for Austin to really kind of – Really, as you said, interview. I think there's a difference between a podcast that Stone Cold does, which, as you said, is is Edge gets on there. The first five minutes, they just you know shoot the shit about whatever. They mention some stuff. They bring some stuff up, and then it's over. It's in an hour, and then it's done. Whereas, yeah, that's sort of what this was, and I get your expectations that it should have been more because you're never going to get this ever again with Vince McMahon. This was it. This was your time this was your shot. to do something a little this bit more. Your- so I, I get that. To me, I went in thinking that we were going to get just garbage Vince. I, I was happy to see an opened up Vince McMahon confirm some things that I knew about the company and 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 had sort of always su- suspected and, and and we sort of knew. I mean that that's that's why I was glad to get confirmation on stuff. And I was I was what I was doing less so than than having Austin sort of interview him is me. I was looking at what Vince was saying and and looking at his tells and looking at how he was reacting and looking at at what he was saying and what it meant on a larger scale versus looking for Austin to make that. Cause I didn't think Austin was going to do that because I I've, I've listened to those podcasts and that's not what Austin does, but I totally get your criticism on that. I, I, I do get that, that it wasn't, it would have been nice to have somebody who would have really challenged but him. Here, and, and, and Austin was I, never going to do I, that. No, but here's the thing. I think Austin thinks that he did, but the fact of the matter is he just, because he, he raised an eyebrow when he said Randy Savage that one time. And then that was it. I, <laughs> like, uh, but I think Austin thought that this was an edgy uh-huh. interview where he did press McMahon, where he did change his interview style. The fact of the matter is, He's just not a skilled enough interview to be good at that. This isn't his forte, and it and I thought it showed. With that said, again, you know, it sounds. But by the way, I'm talking. You think I'd be giving the guy an F? I don't think it was an F because he at least brought up the topics. The problem was he let Vince control the interview. He would bring right, that, yeah. he would bring up a topic, and then Vince would talk about it. 
and then he would never follow up and he would he would make all these goofy faces which indicated that he didn't agree with what Vince was saying well look man don't make goofy faces ask the follow-up questions that are popping into your head when you're making those goofy faces because all of us watching we're making the same goofy faces but you weren't asking the follow-up questions to have Vince clarify himself. And he, he totally let Vince control the interview. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, I will even go this far, okay? I believe he was intimidated sitting there with Vince McMahon. Certainly. I think he was. I, I, I think it's clear. And, and he was intimidated in the first 30 seconds, and I can show it to you. if, if, if let's, let's break it down. Yeah, go, yeah, break it down. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, so, because I don't think enough have done that. I think people have, have broken down CM Punk to crazy, but I, I haven't listened to anybody that's really done enough about this. So yeah, let's go ahead. They started with the network, and Vince gave his conference call spiel, which you knew you were going to get. And honestly, I'm glad that they dropped it at that point because there was nothing Austin could ask at that point. You're, he's because that's very investor-heavy stuff. Vince, yeah, I thought it was doomed right there. I thought it was over. I thought we were just going to get uncomfortable. You know. I, I was glad it moved on from there. Yeah, yeah there was no point talking about uh, the network. I understand why he opened up with it, and you, you got to ask about it. But Vince gave the same generic answer he always gives. The next thing – now, this is – you know, we're a minute into the interview, and to me, Stone Cold already backed down from Vince and allowed Vince to control the interview, and I believe was intimidated by Vince McMahon. When Stone Cold called it wrestling, which every person on the planet fucking Earth calls it what we're talking about here, wrestling, and Vince rolled his eyes and said, I don't do wrestling. That's what my father does. We do sports entertainment. That was wide open door number one to press this man a little bit. Not grill him, not intimidate him, not argue with him. But at that point, here's what you need to say as an interviewer. You need to go, all right, Vince, come on. You've been trying to get this sports entertainment term over for 30 years. It's not over. It's never going to be over. Fetch is not going to happen, Vince. Not like Vince would get that reference anyway. Probably hasn't watched a movie in... He'll watch it soon. No, he watches movies, uh, but he watches like what, what, what all the creative guys said is he'll watch it like three years later, or whatever. So he so, should like, be getting around the Mean Girls. Yeah, yeah. Or like he'll 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 like that's how Paul Burchill happened. Like so far after the like the Pirates of the Caribbean like craze, right. it's like one random day he watched Pirate. Was like we need to have a pirate. They're like it's not popular anymore. Like he's gonna get like there's gonna be a dinosaur sometime. Like he's he's gonna watch the first Jurassic Park at some point and be like, God damn it, we need we need more dinosaurs. Yeah. Like, so I mean, I I thought a good question at that point would have been Vince. Yeah. You realize that nobody else. Everyone still calls this wrestling. What's the hang up with sports entertainment? You realize that the only people who call it sports entertainment are the people who are around you who know you want them to call it that. No one else refers to this. But he backed down. He backed down to him right away uh, on that topic. And uh, I thought Meltzer had a good. Uh, did you re- did you read what he had to say? Yeah, the oatmeal uh, so and the steak. Yeah, like I can I can call my oatmeal steak and and say that it's you know my dad ate oatmeal and I eat steak, but it, it doesn't like people are gonna look at me like I'm weird and still call it oatmeal. Like yeah, I mean and that's and just what it is. Yeah, he, you know he he could have. Uh, you know, and he, he could have framed that question a million different ways. He could have said, Vince, and here's a question that I would ask, that I've been dying to ask for someone to ask Vince McMahon. I say, Vince, why are you so embarrassed of the word wrestling? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and he's not going to give you a good answer, but at least you're asking the question. It's the other thing when you interview somebody. You can't control their answers, but you can control the questions you ask, okay? And if they give shitty answers, I'll criticize the guy answering. But if you don't ask the right questions, I'm going to criticize the guy not asking the right questions. So anyway, what was the next topic here? I'm looking down. I think I lost my place in the uh, – oh, OK. Austin asking uh, – asked if the WWE was giving the fans what they wanted, uh, specifically asking Vince if he was in tune uh, with the audience. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know Vince uh, went on and on, and he said that that night's Raw was good. 
Um, I believe that Vince really thinks that that Raw was good. No, I absolutely do too. Because he's and that, that's what I meant. It confirmed to me that the guy has no idea what the hell he's doing. No, I think the the one thing was a train wreck. It was awful. The Raw. one thing obvious obvious about Vince McMahon in this interview is that he's a tired, sick, old, out of touch man. He looked tired. He looked sick. Looked awful. Yeah, he looked like he was on the verge of death. I mean, as I look, the fact of the matter is he probably the watery eyes is weird. It's yeah, a Monday. He was probably up for 20 straight hours. Rewrite. You know, he's a 69 year old man who's probably rewrote TV four times. Uh, he's stressed out. It's the end of the night. He's sitting here doing a podcast. His the entire fan base is why he looks sick, tired, old, and he sounded out of touch. I think that was a theme all throughout. I mean, the man is cooked. Um, he just he's and the fact that he went out of his way. To constantly say that he wasn't out of touch means that he knows he's out of touch. Exactly, yeah, right. Because he's very defensive about it. It also proves that he either listened to or read the Punk uh, interview with Cabana. Um, Whether he listened to it or read it or had somebody tell him about it, he was aware of what – because that was a major point of contention of Punk's, that this is a 69-year-old man who's out of touch. And Vince directly uh, several times went out of his way to try to explain that he wasn't out of touch, which is crazy because he, he proved that he was out of touch uh, with a lot of things that he talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, They brought up Cesaro. Okay, the Cesaro and Brass Ring stuff. Okay, Austin missed a very obvious question here, and I couldn't believe he didn't ask it. Okay, they're talking about Cesaro, and if you've listened to Austin's podcast, he loves Cesaro, and he thinks Cesaro uh, uh, is great. He thinks Cesaro can be a big star, mm-hmm. which is why he specifically brought him up. And you know, I, listen, here's the thing too: I don't have a problem with Vince not liking Cesaro. That's his, you know, yeah, it's his prerogative. Yeah, yeah. It's his company. I mean, I don't <laughs> agree with him, but I don't have a problem with him not liking Cesaro. Here's what I have a problem with: Vince directly brought up Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and somebody else. Or maybe it was uh, just those listen three. Listen again, it was uh, Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose. It might have just Seth been Rollins. Those three. Oh, Seth and Seth Rollins. Rollins okay. Yeah. Right. What I would have said to Vince after all the bullshit brass. First of all, I would have said, "What does grabbing the brass ring mean?" Can we never say? Can we, and also, can we never say brass ring ever? Well, yeah, again? I, I would have said, "What does that even mean?" Terrible term. <laughs> I would have said, "What does one have to do to grab a to grab the brass ring?" Give me something tangible. What do they have to do? Right. What are Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose? And 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 Seth Rollins doing that Cesaro is not doing. Yeah, specifically, what did Roman Reigns do in the past year to just so obviously grab that brass? Well, when, yeah, I mean, when yeah. we all know, you could ask anybody. now look, we all know the answer is that Roman Reigns was just gently tossed the brass ring. He didn't reach up and grab <laughs> pick it up, please, God, pick it up. They took the brass ring and they sure. gently tossed it to him <laughs> to ensure that he catches it. We all know that, but you have to ask that question. How can you interview this man and let him run down one piece of – and I don't care who the talents are involved – and then not give you anything tangible? Well, what are these other four doing? If he, he said Cena was the last one to grab it. What did Cena do? Tell me what he did. Tell me what he did that Cesaro's not doing or that Bray Wyatt hasn't done yet or that mm-hmm. Dean Ambrose hasn't done. What did he do? How can Austin not follow up in that situation? He's making faces like he wants to follow up. Well, look, Steve, you can make all the goofy faces you want. It doesn't mean anything if you don't ask the questions. And this is what I mean. 
Do you wonder if there was a time issue as well that he was sort of there's definitely a, under the look, gun? There was a time. He knew he had an hour. Here, he knew he had an hour. I, and I'm kind of tired head. of people saying that though. Then don't yeah. waste 20 minutes talking about the attitude era that nobody gives a fuck about. Because let me tell you something. If anybody gave a shit about Steve Austin, uh, about Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon, uh, they then they'd have people buying the network because there's, yeah, to watch rivalries. Because there's 19. McMahon, yeah. Because there's 19 fucking and the Monday Night War about it, yeah. about it that nobody cares about, and no one's paying to watch. So no one cares. So I don't want to hear about, oh, Steve knew he had a bullshit, okay? Then don't waste 20 minutes talking about shit that no one cares about. There isn't a single person who watched that interview who didn't totally zone out for the last 20 minutes. They didn't say anything interesting in those last 20 minutes. Remotely interesting. No one cares. No one fucking cares anymore about the Attitude Era, or they would be buying this network since all they do is harp on the Attitude Era. So I don't want to hear that excuse. All these people, too, tell me, oh, you know, he didn't have a time limit, you know. Well, he blew 20 minutes on nonsense, and you're all letting him off the hook. You're all letting him off the hook and tossing this guy roses. They didn't follow up on shit. And what was the next thing? It was the millennial stuff. Uh, yeah, well, and then he also, I, I, I thought another part, too, is, is Vince mentioned it, the, the elusive it a bunch of times, and and and... Austin sort of followed up with, oh, you know, what is it? And then I think McMahon just gave an awful answer and then just moved and on. And you know what? So, and that's fine because yeah. here's the thing. You can criticize Vince for giving the awful answer, but at least he asked the question. Sure. And the fact is I'm, I'm, I'm more critical of Austin when I should be more critical of Vince, but I can't be critical of the guy if he wasn't asked the proper questions. It's, if you ask the proper questions and the guy gives shitty answers, I'm not going to criticize you anymore. I'm going to criticize the interview subject. And again, I'm not asking Austin to, to pin him against – is that pinning Vince against the wall to say, tell me what grabbing the brass ring means, Vince? Is that pinning him against the wall? Is that grilling him? Is that putting him on 60 Minutes and, and shining a light on him? No, it's asking him – it's interviewing him. People are getting on me because I wanted Austin to interview him. Give me a fucking break. What was next? Oh, uh, Cesaro, as you mentioned. Yeah. Or not, not Cesaro. No, no, no. The uh, uh, the millennials. And, oh yeah. Actually, In general, just, we shouldn't yeah. gloss over this. Why didn't Why didn't Austin bring up the fact that you had and and and, and especially since it was a hot button topic? Why didn't he bring up the fact that nobody tried to grab that brass fucking ring more than CM Punk did? How can he not bring that up? Or Zack Ryder. How? I, yeah. Or even on a, a lower level, someone. Like, how can you not bring up CM? But that would be that would have been the perfect segue to Punk if Steve Austin knew how to conduct an interview. But again, he doesn't know how to conduct an interview. He knows how to shoot the shit. He's not an interviewer. And I had a, I had a problem with that. I'm sorry. I'm just calling it like I see it. Yeah. I like Steve Austin, but he was he was he was this was way above his pay grade. This was the biggest interview in the history of wrestling, and it was above his pay grade. All right, so then uh he didn't bring up Punk. He didn't bring up uh Daniel Bryan, I don't believe. But Daniel Bryan, you know, it, Daniel Bryan wouldn't give a shit if he was working prelims on superstars. Let's yeah, be it doesn't matter. He just wants to wrestle and and grow his well that's been one of the criticism of him that that you could just shoot him whatever shit you want and he's gonna go yeah whatever yeah but yeah me and kane and uh you know yeah whatever i don't care like yeah, yeah it's like but, but but where daniel bryan ties in is is where vince was going on and on about listening to the fans that's yeah. when that's when austin could have brought up daniel bryan mm -hmm. that's when austin uh could have brought up a number of things that's where austin could have defended cesaro he could have said well vince if you listen to the fans cesaro was over like crazy around wrestlemania Coming off WrestleMania, the guy was, was – why weren't you – explain to me what you weren't hearing from the fans during WrestleMania season when Cesaro was over. Is that grilling him? Is that – tell me if it is. Is that putting him against the wall? Uh, no. Is that not a I fair mean it's question? not, but – no, it absolutely is. I, I, and I just don't know if – It is. 
I, I, the, the thing was, is uh, you've listened, you listen to a decent amount of the, the Austin podcast, right? A good deal of them. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I think that's really where, where I just, I didn't expect him to, cause he's not, as you said, he's, and I'm not defending him as an interviewer. I don't think he's a very good interviewer. That's what you're well, kind you of know what? You, you, but I, I totally agree alone, with what you're saying, you though. Yeah. Leave me alone, because the whole world thinks he conducted the most. Well, no, I thought he did. I th- thought he did fine in opening up. No, I, I don't think he's a good interviewer, but I think he did a very good job of getting a guy to talk who I didn't think you could get to talk no matter what. I thought you would have to point a gun at his head to have him say anything of relevancy, and I thought McMahon opened up as it went on a little bit. He didn't say anything new, but I thought he opened up, and that was more than I expected. So that that's where I sort of – Agree, but also disagree with you in, in a sense of I came in with very little expectations because I don't think Austin's podcasts are super insightful, and I also don't think McMahon was going to be super insightful. I didn't get an insightful McMahon, but I got you know I got the, the the shooting the shit that that you get with the Austin podcast. So no, I I agree with what you're saying, and I I disagree in a sense too because of the expectations that I had. So carry on. So the uh, Vince went on to say that he thinks millennials are lazy. I don't know You're if right. those were his exact words. He said they uh, essentially, and, that, and that's a, a common thing that they don't that possess the drive. That, because yeah, because they 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 refuse to change their management style, so they just immediately go, yeah, the millennials, they don't okay. know what they're doing. Well, These kids, well, these wild kids, have no idea what they're doing, even though a bunch of fucking kids all over the goddamn country are are creating gigantic businesses. This is, but yeah, they have they have no fucking idea what they're it's doing. It's a complete of course, load but. of shit because any generation thinks the next generation is exactly. And it's been I, that it's way so, for it's, it's it's been that way for human history. Okay, uh, the baby boomers thought Generation X was lazy. Generation X thought Generation Y was lazy. And I, I remember um, about ten years ago when. Uh, I first got into management or whatever, and I, I used to read all these business journals, and the big thing was, how do we motivate Generation Y? You just – you can't motivate Generation Y. You can't do it. And uh, there's two reasons why Generation Y got the name Generation Y. The first obvious one was they came after Generation X. You're Generation Y. That's your, your – your, you're what, 28 years old? What I be – uh, 28. You're yeah. born 1985. I, there, I wasn't sure where I fit in. Uh, I, I, 87. I was born in 87. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm out of the generation. You're y. on the cusp. You're. You're. Yeah, I'm right in between. You're on so. the end of generation Y. I'm on the tail end of generation X because I think they define it as I think 78's the cutoff. I was born mm-hmm. in like 76 or something. You know, it's mostly people born in the mid to late 60s or whatever. But yeah. so anyway, as a you know, I would read in all these journals. The, the two reasons they got that name was generation Y came after generation X, and the other reason uh, it was kind of like a double thing. It was because. Generation Generation Y asks a lot of questions. Why do I have to do this? Why should I do right. that? Why? So it was Generation Y, and it was like a play on words, you know, W-H-Y. And now we're seeing it 10 or 15 years later where now, you know, Generation Y is in middle management, and they can't motivate the millennials who are just coming out of college or whatever it is. And it's like every previous generation thinks the next generation is lazy, and it's just a load of shit. It's just, it's just, they're, they're just different. And, uh, and and especially when it comes to wrestling, we're not talking about people in cubicles here, because like you said, there really is a, a business theories out there that say that the millennials are hard to motivate for whatever reason, because the previous generation simply can't relate to them, you know, especially baby boomers like Vince, who, you know, oh, dear God, yeah, you, forget couldn't. it. I mean, is he even a baby boomer? When was he born? Yeah, I guess uh, right? he's probably born. 40, in the yeah. 40s. No, well, yeah, he was 40s. Yeah, he he's was a 40. baby. Boomer. Three or forty-five, I thought it was somewhere around. He's like range, an but... early baby boomer, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like I could be wrong. Let me. And it, well, he's uh, forty-five. Yeah, exactly. I was right. Forty-five. Yeah, yeah. So he's a baby boomer, and he's not going to be able to relate to a twenty-two-year-old. But I mean, we're not even talking about cubicles here. We're talking about pro wrestling, and where his argument gets blown up right in his face is that the Generation Y and the Millennials, these these people grew up loving wrestling. 
They grew yeah. up as wrestling fans, and they love wrestling as an art form and a business. Whereas, yeah, they're the first generation to do that. They're the first wrestling generation absolutely. to really grow up loving it, whereas, oh, shit, my NFL career ended. Okay, what do I do now? Yeah, the, 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 the stars of the 80s, it was just pure business to them. You know, WrestleMania was just the next stop on the tour, which happened to pay the most money. You know, you have guys now like CM Punk who want a main event WrestleMania, not only for the payday, but because he grew up a fucking wrestling fan. Right. It kills him that he just didn't get it. Yes. You, you know, you know, you have people like Edge and Christian who grew up wrestling fan. John Cena, who grew up a wrestling, you know, starting really with Generation X. Uh, you know, you have people who were kids. Anyone who was a kid from the 80s on is super motivated in the, in the wrestling world because they're fans and they love it on top of the fact that they can make a lot of money doing it. He's so off base on that. I think the generation now works ex- exponentially harder than the wrestlers in the 70s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's not even close. It's not even close. They take so much more pride in their work than the, than the average worker in the 70s or the 80s. I don't even think it, Go watch a house show from 1986. Turn on your little WWE network. <laughs> And go watch a house show for the 70s and 80s. Go watch that Maple Leaf Gardens and one. You, That's... you tell me who works harder. You tell me who's more motivated. The rest. I would pick that awful TV Boy Smith uh, Butch Reed match, but or uh, Butch Reed, who was it? That that one from the Maple Leaf. Is it Davy Boy? I don't know what match you're talking What's about. That? It's the horrendous one where there's like 20 minutes you of them laying down. You can take any Butch Reed match you want because he was the late. I guess, yeah. So I was going to say we could have that as our random review, world. but I won't make anybody have to sit through that one. But. but I mean, you know, that was so off base and that just screamed at how out of touch this guy is. I mean, you look at a guy like Dolph Ziggler. I mean, who's more motivated than Dolph Ziggler? I mean, that poor guy's just begging for an opportunity. He loves what he does. And you have to turn, you have to, you have to go, you can't even find the guy. You want to find a Dolph Ziggler promo, you got to go digging through the internet to go, or the, the fucking WWE app. To even yeah, find yeah. Guy that was his last great promo. Yeah, you, you, you know, because they don't give the guy any time. I mean, these, these guys. Look at look at a guy like Zack Ryder. Yeah, he's another one. Grew up a wrestling. What, what happened to Ziggler after? So Ziggler had the great performance at, uh, at Survivor Series or whatever. And then what? The next night, what happened is he said like two words, and then Cena interrupted him and said, "I'll talk for you." And that was well, you know, as, I, as, you know Dave Meltzer said that. Yeah. Did I not warn everybody on this podcast that that great performance meant nothing because he just happened to be the best guy suited for it? Right. To take a beating. For, he was Ricky Morton that yeah. night. That's right. it. It meant nothing. They were never going to do anything with him. Uh, coming off that great performance, and and I, I told everybody that, and hopefully they listen to me because Joe Lanz is a real smart guy. But anyway, so it, it, it's it's this whole millennials thing is is it it he it, that that like that pounded home how out of touch this guy is. Yeah, he is cannot relate. He's he doesn't relate to the people on the roster, and I think that's a big problem. Um, so I lost my. Sp- uh, space. What they move on to? Oh, uh, then Austin brought up uh, the idea that there's a million different writers, which was something CM Punk brought up too. Which yes, which Punk. I wanted to talk a little bit about. Well, go ahead. I thought this was a good opportunity to do it, but no, I thought uh, Punk brought up the writers and how you know a bunch of those. He brought up the stupid thing that oh they've never been in a fight, so how you know I thought that was kind of yeah, dumb, especially ridiculous. coming from you know CM Punk. Which, by the way, like, okay, but anyway, yeah, I, I don't know how many like true fights CM Punk has been in, in his life, or if that matters. I mean, he's he's the least guy that should be saying that. But okay, anyway, but I thought the the point in general, and I I, I thought it was interesting too because he talked about it on episode two as well. I was talking about the agents and how there's just so many people running back around. Nobody knows what either one's doing. Every agent wants something different. Agent A wants this. Agent B wants this. If you do what Agent A says, Agent B gets mad. And and the writers do that too. Writer A wrote this. Writer B wrote this. You do what Writer A does. Well, Writer B hates you and won't write anything good for you. And it, it's just w- – when you describe that stuff, it just boggles the mind of why this company – they overthink. It doesn't have to be that hard. It's such an easy business. It's so easy. 
And the problem I had with this line, with this uh, conversation that they had was Austin agrees with everything you just said. And again, where was the follow up? Yeah, there was none. Vince went into some wacky story about pushing Nick Bockwinkle into pools and, um, you know, chilling with Pat Patterson back in the day. And 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 Austin just let him control things and go off on this stupid tangent, which. You know, it gave a little cute little anecdote that we all had a good laugh about with and and really, you know, confirmed a lot of things that we thought about Vince's mindset where he really gets off on pushing people into pools, which just makes a ton of sense. Um, But he let him drift off and control the interview and he didn't uh, challenge him at all on the idea that maybe there's just too many cooks. Yeah. Uh, making this fucking stew. You know what I mean? You see, that's topical because the Too Many Cooks video is viral. You see, uh, yeah, yeah. And, well, I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> actually, I'm, 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 two, I'm two weeks behind on that one. Yeah, I'm yeah two, I was going to say. Two weeks behind right. on, that, on that topical reference. You millennials. Actually millennials totally, look at... yeah, well, the millennials know what's up with Too Many Cooks. I can yeah, they, they... Vince has no idea what Too Many Cooks is. No clue. Because, you know, he's an out-of-touch old man. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it is another example of Austin not following up. I mean, there's a respectful way that Austin could have said, well, hey, Vince, don't you think think there's too many cooks doing this thing this i i agree that the, the, there were some other ones that I, I i disagree that he needed to really kind of grill him or, or really interview him in this sense but this is the one that i thought because you know you know goddamn well stone cold especially stone cold and i was hoping at this point he was going to say vince do you think i would have gotten over if i had a bunch of writers giving me stuff that's uh, that was the biggest thing because you know that's the big thing with, with especially with with an austin with the rock if you want to you know they love talking about their attitude if they want to talk about those guys talk about how austin there is no chance in hell that 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 stone cold would have been anything that he was if he had 16 writers saying oh hey like then you say this and then you you, you know what i mean and so i thought this was the one point where i, I agree with you that i thought oh, come on austin you you know because there was some stuff where he would make the silly face and it was like all right i'm not this is a stupid hill to die and i'm not going to die in it that one was a hill to die on that was one that i know goddamn well that austin wanted to disagree with and should have and not and only did. and not only that but you knew vince was on the run from this and it was a good opportunity to chase him a little bit mm-hmm. because he took it in so many directions that didn't need that didn't need to be taken into pushing bockwinkle into the pool then for some reason he starts talking about ray morgan i mean who cares yeah well i don't know listen you're running this interview not him at that point you got to cut him off not in a rude way look rich I hate to do this because we're not Steve Austin and we never interviewed Vince McMahon. I mean, we've interviewed some decent names, though. But, I mean, we've been in interviews with people where they start talking about shit that nobody cares about. And what do we do? We we interject at the first time they take a breath and we get them to talk about something else because they need to entertain our audience. You know what I mean? We've both been in that position. We've done it on this show. When he starts rambling on about Ray Morgan and Arnold Scotland and pushing people into – I mean you got to get in there and get them back on track talking about the topic at hand. And Austin just let him ramble on and on and on and on, and and it went on forever. He's talking about Shane McMahon in Japan. I I mean (laughs) this guy don't even know where his own son is. Yeah, that that was very – and I don't think – like people sort of said, oh, you don't mix that up. No. That's that's he he you know what I mean where, where you can kind of oh I got the wrong country or whatever you th- no, he just doesn't know you know what he it shows doesn't. me that he's not very close to the son no I and you can get that too. you don't make that mistake if listen if 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 father and son are calling each other twice a day okay you know what fucking country he's in and you don't make that mistake I'm sorry he doesn't even know what country his son's in ah he's out there with the Asian people I mean he right might, that's <laughs> the Oriental Express he, he might as well have said that's, that's Naka is there with yeah him, he yeah. might as well have said Shane's in the Orient I mean because yeah. I, it's it's it, he has no clue what it got the land of the rising sun he should have just said because I think he thinks that China is also yeah, the land with, of the rising with, sun with, with Quang and Yokozuna 
Yeah. It's it's ah, that was scary. That was very yeah. A lot of people didn't touch on that or people kind of laughed it off. That was that's I wouldn't pretty gloss over that. That's terrifying. No, that's that's yeah. That's hey, he's, not doing, he's doing some things in Japan. Well, you know if he, you know. It, it, Oh, man, I mean, who doesn't want to break into China? I mean, that's a topic of the day too at WWN Live. Getting into China, here you have his son is doing business with like media pay-per-view. distributors in yeah, China. He wants to get pay per viewed in China. You would think that he would be all over that. They, I don't think they get along. I, I, like, I don't. I don't think they, they get along. I really don't think they get along. Um, but anyway, so here's the part of the interview that. If, if you think some of the other stuff drove me nuts, this, to me, was the worst part of the interview. He finally brings up CM Punk. And how does he bring up CM Punk? I'm going to read to you verbatim. <laughs> it wasn't the greatest. The question yeah. he asked Vince, Vince McMahon. <laughs> you ready? Yep. Are you going to do an Austin impression, or are you just going to say it in your voice? I can't do, uh, believe it or not, living down here. Yeah, I was going to say, Mr. Texas, you can't. Living oh, down okay. here with these rednecks, I still can't do a redneck voice. You haven't got the dialect yet? I, okay, can't, I can't do it. I, I Listen, and I'm, I'm trying hard not to pick any of it up. I watch my Sopranos DVDs at least once a week. To <laughs> just to make sure. Yes, to stay connected with my people. And, and that's I, I'm, I'm very surprised you did that, because I know I, I went to Louisville once, or Louisville. I apologize. God damn it. Uh, I went there once for like a week or whatever on vacation, and I was starting to already in that week pick up weird stuff and i was like what am i doing and then i got back to chicago and i was like ah yes nasally like it's ignorant yeah. <laughs> like yeah it's perfect it's, back. it's like, really hard but like i i believe it or not in five years I you actually do probably have to watch a sopranos dvd no i'm not kidding about that i, I was gonna say i think you might have to yeah. yeah because it's you get back to your people you know i've never in five years slipped out a y'all i'm so proud of myself for that because you know my brother lives down here now actually my brother he was here for thanksgiving and we're sitting there watching a fucking game or whatever, and he let out a y'all. Oh, and he had this look on his face. Yeah. He was mortified. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, oh, my God. I was like, dude, you just said y'all. You got to move back right now. I, the first time I say a y'all, I'm packing up the fucking U-Haul, and I'm getting out of here. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know. So anyway, uh, I can't do the redneck voice. But here was the question he asked Mr. McMahon. This is so embarrassing. And I quote, do you want to talk CM Punk? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? You're That's probably been agreed upon before the interview started. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, no. You're asking him permission? <laughs> Who is running the interview here? Again, I'm sorry. This is not pinning the man against the wall. This isn't grilling him. This is embarrassing him. You don't ask him if he wants to talk about CM Punk. You ask about CM Punk. And then if he wants to dodge CM Punk or not talk about CM Punk, he'll make it clear. And then I'll rip him and I won't rip you. You can't ask permission if he wants to talk about oh, – first of all, it would have been utterly irresponsible if he didn't ask about CM yeah. Punk. That was really why most of the people were watching, to see him ask about CM Punk. It's like we told every guest that ever came on this show before we go on the air. We could ask the questions. It's up to you whether you answer them or not. Do we not say that to every guest? Yeah, we do. Everyone. Listen, we're going to ask questions. If you don't want to answer them, you don't have to answer them, but we're going to ask questions. Um, We have also – and again, it just just sounds like we're putting ourselves over, but who cares what people think? Um, The other thing we do, we won't interview anybody who wants to send us questions or have questions approved. Is that true or not true? That is absolutely have true. We, yeah, we, have, we, have down, denied, we have denied interviews before what, that where we got a list of questions. Yeah. Yes, we have turned down interviews where they said, can we send questions or can we see questions? Well, forget it. We don't want to talk to you then. And we're not going to talk to you. We don't care who you are. We're not going to talk to you. We had one guy, and I'm not going to say who it was, but people will figure it out because I'm not going to make it much of a secret. We had one interview set up with a fairly big star, but his directive was, I don't want to talk about wrestling. I want to talk about my workout program. 
And what did we tell that person to do? We told them to get lost. We don't yeah. care how big a star you are. We're not coming on here to talk about yoga. I'm sorry. We're, if you're coming on here, <laughs> this is a wrestling podcast. Obviously, Marty Gennetti is who we're referring to. In case you couldn't put, you know, yeah, put it together. This, yeah. this is a wrestling podcast. If you're not coming on here to talk about wrestling, hit the bricks. And, and we don't tell you what we're going to – so the fact that he asked him permission – to talk about CM Punk? I mean, well, how nice of him. And what really bothers me about this is all week long, Steve Austin, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to ask about CM Punk. There it is. You're damn right I'm going to ask about CM Punk. Yeah, hell yeah. And then what does he do? Um, Excuse me, sir. Sir. sir yeah. um, sir, excuse me. Um, Do you mind if we talk about CM Punk? Is that okay if we talk about Punk? Oh, come on. Just ask the questions. You're stone cold fucking Steve Austin. Why is he scared of this man? Well, one reason he's scared is he still gets checks from him, which I think was another problem. But look, you're going to have to deal with that because this was the only person Vince was going to do this with. He wasn't going to do this with someone who, you know what I mean? So look, I understand you got to deal with that. But at least, look, you're Stone Cold Steve Austin. Show some guts. Ask the man the question. Don't ask him permission to ask the question. I'm not asking you to be disrespectful. All I'm asking you to do is show some guts and ask the questions you want to ask. He doesn't have to answer them. I mean, I found that utterly ridiculous. And I know there's probably people listening going, Joe, that's not a big deal. I'm sorry, it is a big deal. I find that offensive. You know what I would do to get an interview with Vince McMahon? You think I'd ask him permission to ask questions? Get the fuck out of here. You ask him the questions. Even if he doesn't want to answer them, if he wants to get up and storm off like the Bob Costas interview, let him make a jackass of himself. He's not going to do yeah. that. He's not going to do that, though. If he doesn't want to talk about punk, he's just going to say he doesn't want to talk about him. I, I don't know. I, am I off base or no? Um, I think you're you're more upset about it than I than I was. But no, I I, I understand. Yeah, that that I thought was a little weird to the, the beginning of that. And th this whole section was like, uh, you know, they agreed upon it before, I'm sure. And then it was sort of on the list and they both knew they had to do it. But it was both. Ah, we got to do it, but we really don't want to. That, that's the vibe I got from this. And I really couldn't wait for this punk part to be over because I knew there was going to be nothing worthwhile in it, that it was just going to be kind of a I, I didn't take anything in this part. I, th this is the part where I tuned out the most, to be honest, because I knew it was just, you know, you know what makes, whatever. You know what makes me mad, too, about this part? I'll tell you what makes me mad. When I was saying that I didn't like the fact that he really didn't ask a ton of questions to Punk and that he asked permission to talk to Punk, um, a lot of people shot back on Twitter, well, what's the point of even asking about, you know, whatever, whatever Punk issue, medical issues, let's just throw that out there. What's the point of asking about uh, medical issues? Because you know he's not going to answer that. Well, look, again... That's not Austin's problem. Right. Austin, Austin's responsibility is just to ask the questions. Yeah, this interview is in the moment now. You can't it's, worry it's about it. It's Vince's problem whether he wants to answer it or not or whether he thinks – and you know what? A good interviewer doesn't worry about that. They just ask the questions, and then sometimes this guest will surprise you. And they'll talk about something you don't expect them to talk about. If he gives you a corporate answer or he says, I can't talk about it for legal – how many times have you seen an interview and the person being interviewed says, oh, well, you know, I can't talk about that for legal reasons? And then the interviewer just goes, okay, no problem, and they move on. Yeah. What's the big deal? Ask the fucking questions. But again, no good follow-up with nothing. Um, you know, he asked him if he watched – if he listened to the uh, Art of Wrestling. Vince said no. <laughs> too much swearing. I mean, you know, he, he says he didn't <laughs> listen, but yet he knows there was too much swearing, and he knows that he was called an out-of-touch 69-year-old. Look, I don't know if he listened or not. I don't know if he listened or read, but the fact is whether he read it, listened to it, or had it dictated to him, he listened to it. That's the bottom line. No pun intended. That's the bottom line because Joe Lanza said so. <laughs> I did a uh, No Chance in Hell reference earlier, so yeah. it's okay. Um, the vernacular, see, Austin. He... So, I mean, you know, that, that, that whole section was a disaster. But again, I give, I give Austin credit for at least bringing up all the – Austin brought up every pertinent topic. 
Okay, so I do give him credit for that. That's why, as much as I'm ragging on him, I'm not giving him an F here. I, I don't think it was a complete disaster interview. He just didn't do a great job. Uh, what was next? It was uh, they were talking about. Uh, I think they talked about uh, creative a little more. Uh, Vin, Vince yeah. Vince ripped on Punk a little. He said he had poor communication skills, and he's probably right. Uh, I mean, uh, this is also the part where I, I think uh, Austin brought up Jim Ross. This is a little bit of the Jim Ross part where you know, yeah, he went home and and that you know. He didn't want to be in Stanford anymore. So Right, and Vince was mentioning how this business is 24-7, 365. Right. I've had bosses like that, and, and I didn't last very long. I'm a firm believer in work when you're at work, and I'm also a firm believer in people need time to themselves in order to be the, the most productive that they can be at work. Um, so I, I completely disagree with Vince here, but yeah. Vince is one of those people who's just a workaholic, and we all know people like that. And they're usually not nice people to be around. You know what I mean? Well, they're, they're the type of people that I don't get along with. That's for sure. Uh, I'm a man who enjoys his leisure, Rich. And uh, yeah, oh yeah. And you know, even the people that I lead, um, you know, the the, the people that work uh, beneath me, I you know, I, I've gotten in disputes with my bosses over not working people hard enough. I mean, that's just. I, I think we life is too short to constantly be fucking working hard. I, you know, you can you can you can work hard without constantly uh, running yourself into the ground. But that that's not a rant for either here nor there. But we're just different people, me and Vince, I guess. But uh, <laughs> believe it or not, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, okay. Next up was the uh, Undertaker Brock stuff, um, where Vince tried the bullshit. And Austin actually – Well, out. a little bit, yeah. Something that I, I just actually remembered before. When you brought this up, this is another point where Austin was, again, trying to toe a little bit of a line but not quite doing it. Is saying, you know, when I was out, you had Jim Ross come and contact me. You don't have a Jim Ross now is what he sort of said. And Vince went, ha, 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 and went into Jim Ross. And then Austin let it go. I thought that was another telling thing too because the, the point that Austin was trying to get across but didn't want to is that Triple H is not a good communicator either. That's, that's, that's what he was saying there. He's saying, I don't like tri- – because we know Austin and Triple H don't get along. I mean that's a big reason why you know Austin's where he's at and, and you know kind of distant from the company as well. He was trying to sort of say that. I think kind of caught himself and just said, ah, whatever. But I think that's what he was trying to get across and to see if Vince was going to do something, but then didn't follow up at all with that. So I, I do agree. That was the part that I was kind of interested because that was the point there is that you had a guy like Jim Ross, a guy that communicated with the talent and communicated with other guys well and was able to bridge the gap between you and management or, or, or management and the wrestlers. You don't have that now. That was his point, but Vince kind of just said, "Yeah, well, Ross wanted to go to Connecticut, missing kind of the point that Austin was trying to get." But yeah, that was that. Yeah, that. Yeah, and and again, it, it, you know, I didn't even think of that, but that's another opportunity where Austin would have said, "Who who who's your liaison now? Who's someone who you know?" But again, he just didn't follow up ever. Um, well, one one area actually where he did follow up was the Undertaker Brock stuff, where you know uh, Vince was trying to say that it was Undertaker's call. And, uh, you know, he called, he, he, wait, wait, he called him Mark Calloway and everyone was so ooh and, and eyeing over that. I mean, I think people, I think a lot of this interview and a lot of where some people were very impressed with it, it was the first time they really heard Vince use the shoot names and mm-hmm. talk about Vern Gagne. And I don't know, I didn't really mark out for that stuff. It didn't really, that didn't do anything for, I wanted substance. I didn't, I didn't care about Vince McMahon calling Undertaker Mark Calloway. I don't know. Um, but you know, he he tried to say it was Undertaker's call or intimate that, and then and Austin called him out on that, and then Vince admitted that it was uh, that it was his call. The interesting thing here to me, and again, where Austin failed to follow up, was Vince saying that he in two years he couldn't think of anybody else to do this other than Brock, and you know, Austin could have threw some names at him, 
You know, I, I mean, I don't. Why, why can't mm-hmm. he throw some names at him in that situation, or why not even throw names at him? Why can't Austin say, "Doesn't that speak to the creative team that they couldn't get anybody ready in two years?" Why can't uh-huh. he ask a question like that? These are all the questions that were that I was screaming at my TV when when this stuff was going on. How can you not ask these follow up questions? It just, it just amazed me. Um, then they got into whether Brock should be on TV more. Here's where Vince was totally bullshitting and where, again, Austin could have asked very simple questions to, to have to clarify. Vince said keeping Brock off of TV keeps Brock and the title special. Well, what's the natural follow-up question to that that any fucking mediocre, fresh out of journalism school uh, interviewer would have asked? Well, then how come you've never used that tact before? How come right. the title and the champion? Why is Brock the only one? Yeah, I mean, you know, and obviously we know the answer. The answer is Vince is full of shit, and the reason Brock isn't on TV is because of the contract. But you have to – just because you know the answer doesn't mean you shouldn't ask the question mm-hmm. because you want to give the interview subject a chance to answer the question and see if they're going to continue to bullshit or they'll bring up the – you know what I mean? It's like these are obvious follow-up questions that he just whiffed on because he was too concerned about getting to ah, remember St. Valentine's Day Massacre we really tore the house down with that piece of business no one gives a shit right. about your match from 15 years no one yeah, tell me about your injury in 1999 that okay Vince, I don't think you even remember got... that was a funny part too he mentioned well you remember when you landed on your back and Vince was just kind of like ha 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 because Vince doesn't know I mean he said that he doesn't know his own shit we've got 20 the guy shit writes... listen we've got... the guy writes 5 hours of TV every week he doesn't fucking remember anything he, doesn't remember sh- he, he admits he doesn't remember shit from 2 weeks ago because he kind of laughed that off and, and Austin kind of was like yeah remember you fell on the table and, da, da, da. and Vince is like I, I, yeah probably I don't know like got, I don't care we've got 20 <laughs> documentaries on the network that we ignore <laughs> If we want to know about St. Valentine's Day Massacre, no one cares. So anyway, uh, you know, so he blew the follow-ups on that. Then we got to the Randy Savage stuff. Um, I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I mean, just know the obvious follow-ups were just never asked. And I mean, you know, people on Twitter were just completely missing the point here too. I mean, he asked if we'd see Randy Savage in the Hall of Fame. Great question. Vince says, definitely, absolutely, of course it's a yes. Those are his exact words. Now – why didn't Austin ask the question that was more than – this was the most obvious question that he missed in the entire interview. Why has it taken so long to decide to put Randy Savage in the Hall of Fame? Now, everyone on Twitter is screaming and yelling, oh, yeah, right, like, like he's really going to ask him about uh, Randy Savage banging his daughter. Yeah. Did I say anything about – did that – Rich, did that question I just asked you – Did enough. I mention Stephanie McMahon in that question that I just, that I just posed to you? Yeah, just saying why did it take so long. Did I say anything about Stephanie McMahon? No. Did I say anything about anybody banging anybody? No. I said, why did it take so long? Because it's an obvious question. Obviously, the guy should have been in years ago. Ask him why he isn't in. That's it. If you're going to ask about Randy Savage, there's two questions that need to be asked, and he only asked one of them. One, is he going to be in the Hall of Fame? And two, why isn't he in yet? You have to ask those questions. This is first day stuff, and people are letting him off the hook. They're not only letting him off the hook, we're throwing roses at the guy for the supposed great job he did. Now we'll never know what Vince is going to – we'll never know the answer to that question. Maybe it really is because Savage banged Stephanie. And no, Vince isn't going to say that. But now we don't know what the hell Vince was going to say because this guy had the interview of a lifetime, and he didn't ask the question. I mean, come on. Wake up. It drives me nuts. It is a simple question. Why did it take so long? Vince, why isn't he in yet? Yeah. Or is the whole Poffo family going to go in? That would have been a nice question to ask since obviously that's a big sticking point here. Are we going to put in Lanny and, uh, and the Miser? Are we putting them in too or what? 
I mean, ask the question. I can live without that one. I cannot live without the uh, – and not asking the other one is inexcusable. You have to ask him why he hasn't gone in yet, and you have to give him a chance to answer that because you know what? Maybe there is an answer that doesn't have to do with Steph that's completely right. – but now we'll never know. We mm-hmm. will never It could have been, you know, I, I, know. I, you know deep-seating abandonment issues or whatever. I mean that, that's – yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. You might, yeah. you might get the most compelling – part of the entire interview if you ask that question he might actually own up and say hey look yeah he broke my heart when he went to nitro yeah you know know, randy really hurt me i've been holding on to it you know it's painful i you know he we had a whatever the case may be you left that on the table how can you leave that on the table in an interview i don't understand people are defending this i don't get it i really don't get it it's just i just don't think people understand how interviews work i really think that's it I do. I'm all no, fired. No, I, I absolutely, yeah, and that, that's always been my stance is that I didn't think this was going to be an interview. I thought this was going to be a fireside chat, and that's what I got. I got more than I thought with that fireside chat first interview. But yeah, again, I, I I completely agree with a lot of the stuff you're saying. I just didn't, I didn't get that mad about it because I didn't think we were going to get anything. So that that's sort of my, you know, my my aspect of it, if that makes sense. So so then yeah, the rest of it was just attitude era stuff because this is where Vince. Uh told the director, look, man, I own this fucking thing. We're not stopping that because Vince was in it. Here's the other thing, too. You know, that was a good moment and all, but here's what people are missing about that. This is how you know Vince was controlling this interview and not Austin because you think if 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 Austin was in control of this interview and Vince was answering some fairly difficult questions, he'd want to continue. Think about that for a second. All right. He'd want to get the fuck out of there as soon as he could. No, Vince knew this was just Yaha time, Vince, which was fine. Yeah. For me, it was fine. That, but, that yeah. confirms what I've been saying about this interview. I mean, if, if Vince really thought that there were some challenging questions here, he would have he wanted that thing extended. He would have wanted to get on his fucking jet. Right, because I, I think uh, Austin said, okay, we're, we're, you know, we're almost out of time. Or I got, you got a minute, Vince. And Vince went, what do you mean? No, come on, let's go. Like, and that's, as you said, a guy who's been awake for 20 hours. Like, yeah. So he wanted to go to SmackDown. He would have wanted, wanted to get the hell out of there and go to SmackDown. But that didn't happen. And then that really threw Austin off because I think Austin had that 45 minutes or whatever planted in his head and timed out. And then he had all this extra time to work with, and he had no idea what to do with it. And you know what they did was they talked about the fucking Attitude Era and St. Valentine's Day Massacre and just shit that nobody cares about. And I, I had a hard time. I had to watch this part of it twice because the first time I just I kept zoning out. I was just so uninterested in what they were talking about, and it was so not compelling to me, which was another thing. Everyone said that this was so super compelling. I I was totally tuned out for the last 15 minutes of this interview because it was so not compelling. Um, And again, Vince kept bringing up, um, you know, here's an here's a direct quote, and he brought this up like like out of nowhere. Am I out of touch? No. Am I 69 years old? Yes. Can I go to the gym and kick your butt? Probably. What, what an insecure old cootness, man. <laughs> because not only is he bringing up the fact that he's not out of touch again, but then he has to throw in the fact that he thinks he can kick everybody's ass right. still. Vince, you're not kicking anybody's ass. You're Listen, you're seven, you've had a great life. You're the greatest wrestling promoter to ever walk the earth. You're a 70-year-old, tired old man. And, I mean, this really – you know, enough about Austin. I think people get the idea of what I think of Austin. Yeah. I'm beating a dead horse at this point, picking on Austin. I think he did a fair job. I gave him a C at best. It, you know, the, but focusing on Vince, I mean, he just came off as a tired, beaten down, completely out of touch old man. 
And um, it, it's sad in a lot of ways, but and I, and I think the reason that a lot of people really like this is I think deep down wrestling fans, especially people who grew up in, in WWF strongholds and were WWE guys like me and you grew up in, you know, WWF yeah. towns or whatever. And, 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 and you grew up in the attitude era. I grew up in the Hogan era. And this is really the company that, that we, that, that got us started in wrestling. And I think a lot of people who are wrestling fans, I think deep down, they really admire Vince McMahon. And I think um, on some level, Every wrestling fan kind of fantasizes about being Vince McMahon. You know what I mean when I say that? And then, and 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 they they uh, I think people admire him and they and they and they like him uh, deep down on some level, even though they complain about him. Uh, and 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 he did come off likable in a lot of ways in this interview. Yeah. And 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 you really want to like him, but I think people, yeah, no, I absolutely, I'm, I've always been that way. I think he's he's a guy that I always wish. Was just and, and I think the biggest thing, for, for especially for hardcore wrestling fans, is that he would just embrace the fact that look, yeah, I created this. You know, I, I took, and he could say it. I mean, I know people get mad about it when he talks about you know the, the the smoky arenas or whatever, but you can say it. He did. He took it and made it a global business. Say it. I, I turned wrestling from nothing. You know, this to, to a global. It, not that I changed it to sports entertainment. Like he's all. I mean, that's that's always the funny. Th- you know, you know, I yeah, don't sure, know. Sure, sure. Right, that. Yeah, but no, I think, I think that's, and I've always been that as well. Is I respect the man, and I really wish he would come across as a genius, and really, because I do think, I think, we, you know, we talk a lot of times. There's a bunch of, you know, he's made mistakes, he's done this and that, but for the most part, he's a very smart businessman, and he just, you wish he comes across that way, but he never does. He always comes across as an insecure, petty, out of touch, weird old man, and that's it. It's it's. And this is a guy who a lot of our youths, it was like, this is the guy that created our, like a big part of our youths. And it's just like this stumbling moron idiot. And you're just like, no, like that can't be right. Like, I think his, he can't be that. I, he's got to be something more than that. Right. I think his best attribute isn't that I, I don't think he's a genius per se. I really don't. I think he got lucky in a lot of ways. I think yeah, I do too. Look, yeah. No, I, I, here's the thing. Is tough, it yeah. didn't take a genius to sign Hulk Hogan when he was the most popular wrestler in the world already. That didn't. You didn't need to be a genius to do that. Hulk Hogan was the best draw in the world before McMahon signed him. Of course, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that didn't take a genius. What sets Vince McMahon apart from everybody else and makes him the greatest promoter of all time is his aggressiveness. Yeah, he's got balls of steel. <laughs> he's he's not afraid to take chances, and in his case, all of his chances worked out. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, that company gave up on Steve Austin. They didn't believe in Steve Austin, and a lot of things just worked out, and they were going to cut John Cena. This That company yeah. was going to cut John Cena, and we all well, know – He played a good character in a Halloween episode of Yeah, Smackdown. we all know the, 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 the – there's a couple different urban legend stories. The other one is yeah. that he was goofing around like – Oh, the, like, on the bus. Yeah, whatever, like yeah, 25 like – like what, yeah. what the 25-year-old kids do. They goof around on the bus, and they battle rap, and, and Stephanie overheard it. That's the other urban legend. The point is, though, he was on the verge of being cut. I mean they were going to do nothing with Stone Cold Steve Austin. They were going to cut John Cena. I mean, so is he a genius? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know that he's really aggressive, and I know that uh, you know the, the stuff that we didn't touch on him claiming that the territories destroyed themselves. I mean, Meltzer just pounded him for that. I mean, <laughs> he was aggressive, and he put he had a plan. He put everybody else out of business. Yeah. But here's the thing. Whoops! WrestleMania is on the same day as the Crockett yeah, show. I, mean, I had no idea. Like, if, whoops! <laughs> if it wasn't Vince going national, someone else would have tried, right. and other guys did try. I mean, Blanchard was on USA Network before Vince was, and you know, he just look. I'm not. I'm not saying Vince just is 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 a idiot savant who lucked into everything, but I think his best attribute 
is his aggressiveness mm -hmm. and the fact that he's ruthless. I think the whole ruthless aggression thing was him. You know that that's his that's his that was his mentality. But I think that's gone. I think now he's just a tired old man, and I think he was really exposed as such um, in this interview. And and I think that I think where we can all agree. Um, cause I know a lot of people probably don't agree with the, the last 45 minutes that, that, that we just did with a lot of the things I'm saying, but I think where we can all agree is this interview really does not cast a very good light on the future of this company. It does not, not at all. And, no. and the other thing is, and nor did the, the punks interview really cast a great light about Triple no, H this was not, either. So yeah. this was not a good week for the future, uh, prospects. Uh, I mean, th th I, this is, could become a story with investors, these, these, this group, because this does not look good. It's always and, been an and, issue. And, and, you know, uh, Dave's always talked about that. Uh, Dave Meltzer's always talked about the fact that investors are always kind of worried about, you know, we sort of assume that Triple H is the heir apparent, but I mean, he, on the, on the, the business or on the, on the, the wrestling side. Yeah. But business side, God, I mean, Meltzer always mentions that the investors always say he's not ready. I mean, he's not a CEO material. That's not your CEO of your company. And I don't know if Vince necessarily is either, but. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would love to be a fly on the wall at Thanksgiving in the McMahon house to see had the Shane, Steph, Vince dynamic. I was wondering, do they like? And what really like went down there? I mean, up. maybe Shane. You know, everyone. I don't think. I mean, he's got his own family. I mean, he's got his wife and kids, and and you know, he might be yeah, kind of just I, on I his think, own. I mean, I, it might be, but you know, everyone seems to think that he was the the dope of the group, and Stephanie was the smart one. Maybe Shane saw some of these things, saw the writing on the wall, and knew that you know. I, I don't know. Maybe it, 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 you're right, though. The future of the company and, and it, it doesn't it, it, there's a lot of questions now after this these interviews, especially. I mean, Vince just did not come off well. And uh, yeah, it's and here's the thing, too, that people need to remember for all the success that that that, that Vince has had in growing his own company. Let's not forget. Let's really not forget that wrestling is less popular than it's been in, in decades. Yeah, certainly. When he's the one driving the bus. So again, I'm not so sure. Uh, you know, the, the genius thing. I don't know. I'm never comfortable calling him a genius. You can be incredibly successful. That doesn't make mm -hmm. you a genius. Yeah. Okay. I get. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I I I don't know if he's a, because he's done some incredibly stupid things. I mean, I, we always say it. He's the most successful person who's left the most money on the table that yeah, I've absolutely. ever read about. Yeah, we wanted to do about. a podcast one of these days where we're just going to spend you know three hours going over. I mean, this is a man who has let pride get in the way of making money. How many times? I mean, he's just, you know, he's just, he, he's left millions and millions of dollars on the table. Um, so I, I, I don't know what you got anything else on the, on these. No, I think I'm about, I'm about done. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't think I have any more. I think the biggest takeaway that I had from both of these is that, yeah, there, there's, I, I, I think there's a few things on the wrestler side where, where you have now a decent amount of guys and, and people sort of made rumblings that, you know, punk's got something in the works. It might be MMA. You know, it's obviously Marvel's back. Alberto Del Rio has something in the works. That's been rumored to possibly MMA as well. We're seeing New Japan compete on a level. This week, more than anything, and we're going to talk about the New Japan world here in a sec, this week, more than anything, was really just kind of a wake-up call to a lot of people that, yeah, we think of WWE as these ivory towers, and this is this is it, and this is the it, the goal, and everybody wants to be there. It's really becoming less that. I mean, it's really, it's not the only stop anymore. The guys aren't making a ton of money. It's not a great work environment. Triple H isn't a genius. Like, we're, we're starting to really kind of get a lot of stuff that, it, it, it's been interesting to see the perception of WWE this week. And I think a lot of people, even casual fans too, because I've had a whole week of my friends saying, hey, did you listen to that interview? That's really weird. I didn't know this. Or I didn't, they're starting to, I mean, stuff that we maybe 
you know, the, the, the newsletter readers and that sort of people and the people that are, you know, connected or whatever stuff. We sort of knew about it, but it's starting to get weird. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, we've been talking about it for months. I mean, there's, yeah, there's it's options now. And, and when people are really seeing the nitty gritty about the payoffs in the WWE and how they're not, mm-hmm. they're all cracked up to be. You know, it's look. I, I, you know, I still think if if you want to make the most money in this business, obviously that's the company you're going to want to be with. But if if you don't get to that level, I mean, these underneath guys, it's 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 not what it's all cracked up to be. And I think people are starting to see that a little bit now. And and you know, look, we talked about it. There's this perception um, that they didn't want AJ Styles, but we need people need not forget AJ Styles chose New Japan yep. and chose. Uh, Ring of Honor. Ten plus yes. Yeah. Over the, he had an offer. He just wasn't a very good one. And so you know, a lot of that is their lack of interest. They weren't you know mass. You know he's a little older and he wasn't going to get you know. But it's and and but these payoffs, these stories from Del Rio, which corroborate with what CM Punk had to say and with some other people who have had to say. I just it's not all cracked up to be man. It's it's and there's some other people making moves and and giving people viable options of places to work. So, all right, well, let's move on. We talked a little bit about it, but New Japan World, uh, we mentioned it. Uh, it was kind of a rumor uh, for a few weeks, and we kind of knew what we were going to get. But uh, first uh, impressions of it, uh, obviously, for people that don't know, New Japan World is, is essentially uh, New Japan's answer in a lot of ways, <laughs> including the price. Uh, it's the WWE Network. It's a little bit different. Obviously, it doesn't have a 24-7 streaming service like the network has. There's not, like, a live feed going on there. But uh, they're going to offer all their live events, all the Kurikan shows. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom will be on there. Just a really good offering in, in, in terms of stuff. I mean, it, the, the library is obviously only New Japan stuff. It dates back pretty far, but it's not complete. Sh- not Everything's not a complete show. I think there was something like 300 or so hours, 300 or 400 hours on there compared to, you know, the, the, that 5,000 or whatever. The WWE Network has. So it's not quite that. But overall, it worked well. Uh, it's relatively easy to sign up, even if you don't know Japanese. If you use Google Chrome, the auto-translate, you can get in there pretty easily. And then the big thing is, yeah, we're going to get the G1 for $9.99, and we're getting Wrestle Kingdom 9 for $9.99, and that's Japanese feet, so no more Nico Nico or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, what are your initial thoughts on there? Anything else you wanted to add about uh, New Japan World and what it's all about? Okay, I've talked a lot about people throwing roses at Steve Austin. A lot of people are throwing roses at New Japan World. I think we need to pump the brakes until they have their first live event. Okay? Yeah. Because if this thing doesn't work on the 15th, is that the day of the first live event? Uh, yes, it is. Um, and, uh, no, I'm sorry, the seventh. No, the seventh. The seventh. The, the no, 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 that's time. not live. Remember, that's on delay. Oh, the right. Fir- that's the first the, live yeah, stream. Right. Um, is going to be on the fifteenth. That's going to be a uh, Road to the Tokyo Dome house yeah. show from uh, Ibaraki. That's what I'm going to go with. Ibaraki. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> uh, from the Koga Central Sports Park Gymnasium, baby. Yep. Uh, One of my favorites. <laughs> so anyway, that's going to air. Um, 7 p.m. Japan time. I have no idea how that relates to uh, United States East East Coast time, but uh, the 15th is the first. I think that's four. I think that's four, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Don't don't listen. Yeah, to me. please. We have listen. no idea. <laughs> Look it up on your own. <laughs> yeah, uh, but the 15th will be the first live stream, and if that thing you know is spotty or doesn't work right, you know, because really, look, here's the bottom line with this. It's just like the WWE Network. Um, when the novelty wears off with yeah. this old footage. It's the current product that's going to drive the bus on this thing. Once you're done watching 75 Anoki matches, you're going to. Uh... That's no different than we've been we've been banging that drum about WWE Network, and we were right, by the way. All the people yep. that tried to argue with us, uh, the numbers bear that out. Um, it, it's it's the current product is going to dictate whether this thing is a success or not. And if the cur- if the consumer doesn't have confidence that the live streams work. You know, this thing isn't going to – and the fact is you don't have to commit for six months. You can buy month to month. 
Right. So if you have this thing for the month of December, and there's three live events in the month of December, the 15th, the 19th, and the 20th. The 19th and the 20th are Cork and Hall shows, the two Christmas week shows that they always do, which are always fun shows. Yeah. They're always fun undercards with a big main event to set up the dome. A preview, uh, Tokyo Dome preview, usually usually tag match or something. Yeah, like and they usually do like the veterans versus the undercard guys and singles matches. Mm-hmm. And in New Japan, you, as people know, you don't really get singles matches unless it's pay-per-views or G1. So it's a rare chance to see some singles matches. They're always fun shows, but the point being, if those three shows, if there's problems with the stream, a lot of people aren't going to buy this thing in January. Because, you know, you can only watch the old, the old footage is, you know, there's a very small segment of fans, people like us, people that are listening to this podcast, who will buy it month to month uh, just for the old footage. You know, everybody else, the, the people who are really going to drive it, uh, the Jap- you know, your common Japanese casual wrestling fan, if he's not into the current product or if the stream doesn't work, they're not going to buy this thing. So it, it just like WWE Network is dependent on the current product. But so I want to reserve judgment until we see how these live streams come off. Now, they did run the, the, the press conference uh, on the live stream, and I watched yep. that, and that worked fine. Um, you know, I don't know how many people were watching that press conference compared to how many people are going to watch this random house show compared to how many people are going to watch the Cork and Hall shows. And obviously the Tokyo Dome is going to be the big test, just like WrestleMania was the big test for the network. You know, there's a lot of parallels here, um, you know, and, and, you know, it's like, like the price point, you know, 999 yen. To the 999 yep. price point, you know, Kadani is copying the WWE again. Uh, their goal is a hundred thousand subscribers. So, you know, their goal isn't 1.5 million like WWE's was or whatever. It's a hundred thousand. And we know that the Tokyo Dome shows have done over a hundred thousand iPay-per-views in the past. So you would think that at least in January, <laughs> they're going to hit that goal. Because if you bought, mm-hmm. if, if you're a Japanese guy in Japan who bought Wrestle Kingdom 8 for $35, why wouldn't you buy it for, or, or whatever, 3,500 yen or whatever it is. Why wouldn't you buy it for, you know, 999 yen? Um, so, you know, January won't be a problem. Moving forward, you know, we'll see what the numbers look like. Kadani did mention that uh, the next day that he was, you know, shocked at the number of international subscribers, um, non-Japanese subscribers. But again, I'm not impressed by that because there's a novelty factor early, just like there was. Certainly, w- yeah. You remember WWE Network, all kinds. Of- oh, yeah, everybody. Yeah, the whole our Twitter stream was flooded with people. I'm watching this. Oh, let's watch this. Or I'm like, yeah. And then now we it's crickets. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when that novelty factor wears off we'll see how many of these people keep coming back for it they'll keep coming back if the new japan if the current new japan product stays hot and and stays as awesome as it's been for the last three years you know they'll keep people coming back if the new japan product takes a dive or if these people sampling it just aren't into the new japan product uh you know then it won't work i don't know so from a business point of view i'm viewing this exactly the same way i view wwe network um, I don't. I, I assume that you agree with all that. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that's always going to be the, the the issue is is how the live stream works, how the live. Because yeah, I agree. If I will, I mean, if the live stream is utter garbage and doesn't work, and it, and and I have no reason to believe one way or another, I'm gonna just kind of see where it goes. But um, yeah, if it's utter garbage, I mean, I'm not gonna. The archive is gonna do stuff for me for a little bit, but then it's gonna be yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm even WWE Network. I watch a ton of that archive. But I've even weighed, you know, I, I, I've even weighed a little bit in the past, you know, few months because I've got a lot of it. I caught up with most of the stuff they have. And, and especially with New Japan is you're going to 
you know, it's not like they have territories to add or, you know, they have the, once you get through the majority of the New Japan stuff that you want to watch, I mean, that's it. Like, I, if at any point they bring in Noah and all Japan, I, I don't know what their plans are, but then maybe we'll talk and then maybe the archive does, means more for me. But yeah, as it stands now, that, that archive is, is, is there and it's fun, but it's all going to be the live thing and it's going to be the live stream. And But it's a tremendous deal and it, it's a risk from their standpoint, too. I mean, they're, they're giving up a lot of business in the sense that. You know, the IP reviews were, were what they were. You know, on Nico Nico, they were certain price. You know, Ustream, they were priced. They're low now. They're 9.99, just like WWE. But I think it's not as much of a uh, sort of a crippling thing as we saw WWE where, where there's expectations. And I think the expectations that he has are, are, are interesting because he put out right there that it's not, you know, a million people. I don't want two million people. I want, you know, X, you know, 10,000 or whatever you said. Or well, he's given up, he's given up, fine, he's yeah. given up business in January because certainly if he, yes. if he hits his goal of a hundred thousand, he's losing a ton of money because he was going to get a hundred thousand buys at, yeah. at 35 bucks instead of 10 bucks. And um, G1 too. I mean, G1, G1 was what, 160 last year and now he's, you know, nine nine nine. So, right. So you're going to take a hit in August and January where he figures he'll make it up is if he can get people to continue to subscribe for the other 10 months, you're making up the difference there. Because uh, you know, and 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 we have to take him at his word that a hundred thousand subscribers per month will be profitable. Because he, you know, why wouldn't the goal would be higher than you know what I mean? Yeah, you have to assume that they're going to make money on that hundred thousand. Because otherwise, why would yes. why would that be the goal? Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a ton of there's a ton of risk here, just as much as there was with the WWE. But I, the parallels are are very yeah are, are, are right there for you from a business perspective it's now as far as um you know value one versus the other well um let's see we've got four shows in december and then there's one two three four five six seven seven live shows in january um but here's the thing wwe network only gives you the one pay-per-view but they also give you nxt superstars and main event every week so that's you know that's 12 first run shows plus the pay-per-view is 13 technically you're getting more first run stuff on the network it's just not live events you know you, there's something special and different about getting live events and that's what what new japan will get you yeah. because you know they're giving you you know uh, seven shows in january or whatever it is and they're all shows you know they're all either house shows or major pay-per-views or what have you they're live events so it's a little bit different than a one-hour episode of superstars with two matches um like you said, there's no live stream, but who cares? I mean, the live the live garbage, stream yeah. on WWE Network is just no one cares. It's an awesome opportunity that's just completely blown and, and whatever. So. I, I think <laughs> the fact of the matter is they were really expecting to be an actual real network, and then they kind of just left the stream. And I, I don't, yes. it really serves no purpose. I used to leave it on as background noise. I haven't done that in months. Because there's nothing. I mean, it's just Legends House and Total Divas now. I try. I used to do it too, and now they don't even play anything like remotely. It's just Legends House, and I, I don't care to watch Legends House. So as far as content, you know, the WWE Network has a ton more content and always will because they just they have they own a ton more content. They have a deeper history and they own the histories of dozens of other uh, yep. promotions. So they're always going to have deeper content. Um, the New Japan World, as it currently stands, uh, has 1,040 matches on it. What they have are all of the full and complete pay-per-views from 2011 onward. So all the modern product is already on there. Um, well, that's not true because there are some missing G1 shows mm -hmm. that aren't on the network that the uh, New Japan World is affiliated with. What what network is it? Um, 
Oh, the TV. Uh, uh, TV. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, we're going to However, we're gonna, okay. But some TVA. <laughs> yeah, some of those G1 events aired on a different network, and those are the ones right. that aren't on uh, this yet. But all, all the other shows are complete from 2011 onward. Um, now, before 2011, it's just random matches from various shows because what they did was the matches that are up for now are off of uh, some DVD series that they have over there. Yeah. features their greatest matches so they did say they'd be you know periodically adding more content as they move along they probably have to get the rights to a lot of the content back from the networks that they aired on and everything mm-hmm. else and there's probably some stuff that they're holding in their back pocket because you don't want to shoot your whole load right out of the gate so you know there's a thousand forty matches they're never going to be able to match the sheer amount of content wwe network has just because they don't have it they don't own that much content so uh but as far as uh you know, uh, the site itself, I mean, I've been very happy with it. Everybody's been very happy with it. There have been some people who haven't been able to get the videos to play. Most of that has been on the user, though, not necessarily mm-hmm. because of the service, whether it's using the wrong browser or your Internet is, is shitty or, um, you know, I've heard, you know, simple things like people just clearing out their cache and then it was yeah. working fine. So a lot yeah, of I dropped my the foot user. low and everything was fine for me. Yeah, your, I, your theory there. I was on high and then I went to low and then all of a sudden everything was fine. So. And the picture quality is uh, almost like that. It was minimal. It was minimal. Yeah, it was very little difference. So. Yeah, so they, they do let you adjust the picture quality if need be. I haven't had any problems with it, and I have really shitty redneck internet. And, you you, you know, I've talked about my internet here a million times. Yeah. I don't have strong internet at all, and it fluctuates greatly throughout the day, and um, I've, I've had no problems. But then again, I never have problems with WWE Network either. My WWE Network comes in crystal clear HD 24-7. Yeah, I've never had an issue at all. Pay-per-views, everything. And, you know, I, I watch the pay-per-views and you, you you read our Twitter feed and people are always having problems with the network. I, I really just think it's people's internet I, I because I don't know. I Maybe I'm just lucky. I never have a problem with it. I don't know. I never have problems with Netflix either. Like my Netflix is always a crystal clear HD picture. Uh, MLB, you know, MLB.TV, same thing. So I, I complain about my internet all the time, but it seems to work better than everybody else's. I, I don't know what the deal is. But when I check my speeds, it's really slow. I don't know. I can't explain it. I'm not. I'm not exactly uh, Steve Jobs. I'm the wrong guy to come to for. Uh, uh, He's not either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he ain't gonna help you much either, either. So. No. But the point is, I'm the wrong guy to come to when you have computer problems, which a very high-profile person learned yesterday. Which <laughs> we're not gonna. <laughs> Maybe one day we can tell that story. Yes. Um, yes. But uh, yeah. So anyway, um, here's the thing with New Japan World for people who might not know. Um, it is very easy to sign up. Did you have any problems signing up? I none, absolutely zero. There was a few times where I was like, "Is that the right button to do?" And it, it's if you just think for two seconds, it's it 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 makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, because on the sign up screens, it won't translate it for you. I don't know if you noticed that it didn't. Yeah, no, it won't. Yeah, or, or, or the buttons wouldn't. I would get the um, I would get the whole uh, the page would translate, but the buttons wouldn't. So I'd always go, "Yeah," but then there was arrows. Like one was like a forward arrow, and one was a back, and I just assumed. The forward arrow was the one. And, yeah, and not only that, like when when you are when you're signing up, if you've ever signed up for a website before, it's always right, the same kind of fucking form. Yeah. I mean, y- your name. It's a little bit different than Nico Nico, where it was like the blue button and the pink button. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> right, Uh-oh. right. Like it was like, what wire do I cut? Like ah, uh, pink, and it was like, all right, good. Actually, like, let me rewind. See, if you if you're on Google Chrome, which I recommend for this site because it seems yeah, to work the best you have for to be. videos you have to be. and and you just right click, okay. You can translate to English, okay? And someone else pointed out there's actually a, a Chrome extension that if you download that extension, it clears up all the wacky translations and translates them directly. 
So I've heard of that one. Yeah, it, I, I have. It's it's okay. I haven't it tried that yet, but I heard that it, like, it still has. It's still a little clunky. I mean, there's no way to. I mean, the, the English language and, and and it can't be perfect. But really, it, you know, there's the always going to be issues. things in reality are some of the wrestlers' names. Yeah, names and, and and proper nouns are always kind of clunky, but other stuff right, is pretty. Because okay. like Jado is evil ways, right? Which is hilarious. And so you'll see all these bad rackware, <laughs> bad, bad bad rack ware, which is, <laughs> is like which is a great name by the ba- way. Bad rack ware is exactly how Japanese people pronounce bad luck follow, which yeah. is really funny uh, and racist but funny. Yeah, uh, and Beast God Liger is the best Beast name. Beast God Liger and uh, <laughs> should be his new. I like Bill Kazu Meyer. <laughs> Bill Kazumeyer. Uh There's a couple others too, but um, the page I'm looking at now that I have translated. Um, everything on the screen is in English, except for like, and then there's a bar across the top that has symbols. Yeah, there's always symbols like that. That those buttons, obviously, like the ring and and how you I sort in the tags. Those for people, right? Exactly. If if you're you got you're in front of it. Yeah, yeah if you're you looking at your bar across the top with the symbols because it's underneath is the tags, and it's very simple. Uh, age is by year, venue is by venue. You got play, if you want to sort by play-by-play commentator, knock yourself out. <laughs> I was gonna wonder uh, whoever. Who's ever like, oh, yes. Well, now we know next time we get Yatsume on, we can ask him who which play-by-play guy should listen to. There so that, that'll be good. Uh, title match is actually not just by title match, but any kind of stipulation and, and whatnot. If you go into the title match uh, tags, it'll bring up G1 matches, best of the Super Juniors, um, um, just any kind of stipulation match they've ever had in addition to all the different title matches. So you can click the tag for... Uh, never title and it'll bring up all the never title matches that are on the, the network and whatnot and then uh, but anyway above that tag list and then if you click over by Captain New Japan over there that's where it'll bring up all of the wrestler names and yeah. it'll tell you how many matches each one has it's very simple this is the easiest site once you translate it you're essentially using an English language site and exactly. very very few people have complained that it's difficult to navigate and find what you're looking for um, I actually have found it's easier for me to find what I'm looking for on this site than the damn WWE network because if I want to watch a specific match from a pay-per-view on WWE network I've got to fast forward I have to look on Wikipedia right. to see if, if it was the fourth or fifth match then I have to guess when the match started and because because forget the search function. We've been over that. That's oh yeah, yeah. If you want to watch Davy Boy Smith finishes, then that's your place to go. Right. But so anyway, if you, watch, if you want to click to the the move before the finish and then the finish and then done. But yeah, and that's the yeah. other thing. I mean, and if you don't want the finish spoiled, it's impossible to search for something on the network because they give you every finish. It's ridiculous. But anyway, um, across the top you have a little lightning bolt. Okay, if you click that, that's the live schedule. And if you you can translate that page and it'll tell you all the live events they have scheduled for their uh, for live streaming, which is interesting because on the fourth, it says they have a two hour show before the Tokyo Dome that starts at two o'clock. But here's the confusion. We don't know if that means 2 p.m. Because if it's 2 p.m., the Tokyo Dome star show starts at 4 p.m. That means they're having a full two hour pre-show, which means this time crunch everyone was worried about is a non-issue. Because the live show is going to be six hours long, right? For us, because we're going to, we're for the people that are going to watch in the Japanese feed, yeah. Right, people like us are going to watch this and watch the entire six-hour show. Uh, so you know they can put whatever they think is going to comfortably fit into the four-hour block for the Global Force deal with Jim Ross. But here's the thing: some people are speculating that that actually means two a.m. and it's the stage setup, like they did last year on UStream. Um. I have no idea which is which. I've sent the question on Twitter to a bunch of our Japanese friends, and we have not received an answer yet. But I can tell you that when you translate it, it says 
just before SP, I don't know what SP means, mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom 9, 2 o'clock live. I have no, look, I don't know what it means. I don't know if it's 2 o'clock a.m. or p.m. Well, here, let me... <sighs> So, hmm. You know, but, but anyway. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. If it's PM, we're good. They're gonna they could put as they could put fourteen matches on this thing and they could fit them in six hours. That's no problem. And then you know that you could put the top six or seven matches on the four hour pay per view, and have no problem with time again. You know what I mean? You can you can rush through the matches during the pre show because who really cares if they rush through, you know, Jushin Liger against El Desperado for the NWA Junior Title? You know what I mean? That's it's not a big deal. Right. So, you know, the time crunch thing goes out the window at that point, if it's what we suspect it is. But anyway, the little lightning bolt brings up your live streaming. The wrestling ring, which is the next symbol, is a great tool to use because what the wrestling ring is, is every show in their history in chronological order. And then when you click the show, it has all the matches from the show. From 2011 onward, it has every match from every show. From before 2011... It's just random, scattered. Some of the shows have all the matches. Most of them don't. Uh, one of the old Super J Cups has all the matches, for example. Mm-hmm. I think the 90s I – don't, I don't want to say. Uh, one of Super J – old J, Super J Cups has all the matches. But then there will be other cars that make – I thought it was 94, but I, I, I could be wrong. So I was somewhere around there earlier, but yeah, I don't one remember those. which one specifically. Um, and, you know, but some of the cards might only have one or two matches, but – you know, it's it's every show in chronological order. On the first page, for example, you know, there's Power Struggle staring me right in the face. You know, from the eighth of November or whatever, and uh, King of Pro Wrestling Destruction. You go right down the line. Uh, G1, like I said, there's seven out of the uh, what was there, twelve shows, I guess. So mm-hmm. seven out of the twelve that aired on the proper network, and then you know, all the other shows are there for you. So uh, and then you just click all the way through. If you go to the last page, it you know, you'll be in 1972. Yep. And so the wrestling ring is a very useful thing to click. Yeah, and one thing that's a little bit different for people that haven't signed up or if you haven't ventured too much is that the, the events are – everything is broken down by match, and you get the complete match, which which is fun. I mean, it's interesting, and as you said, it's easy to find what you're looking for. It doesn't do as well in terms of I'm going to put this computer off to the side and, you know, I'm just going to binge watch, you know, the entire, you know, Wrestle Kingdom 4. You know, you can't necessarily do that. You sort of have to – be intent and you know hit back go to the next match because it doesn't when once one match is done it doesn't automatically go to the next one so that's a feature that i thought they could change but for the most part how many like for me personally i'm not watching many undercards from like past russell kingdoms you know i'm looking for a specific match i'm looking for a specific person i can find that i can get that pretty quick but i could see that being a criticism of some that's especially the native japanese people you can't you can't just click the show and sit back and watch the whole show you're gonna have to click every match Right. As each match ends. So that is a fair criticism uh, for sure. Um, the next thing is like a little movie camera gimmick, I guess it looks like. I don't know how I would describe that thing. But that's basically just every match that's on the site. And there's like a million pages. I don't mm-hmm. really – it's not very useful to use this. Um, so I don't really use that too often. On the first page though, there's a couple of little documentary deals which um, – before all of the matches. Yeah, they have the G1 that, that was in theaters. I heard that one was awesome, but yeah, of course, I don't know the language, so there's only so much I can really, you know, yeah. enjoy about those documentaries, but, you know. And they've got the press conference up and all that, so anything that airs on the live stream eventually ends up here on the network. Mm-hmm. Next up is a star symbol, and the star symbol, again, is uh, some of these documentaries and whatnot, but, um, but that's all it is under the star symbol. So they have all these documentaries set up twice, uh, for whatever reason. Actually, let me click this second one and see what the heck this is. Uh, yeah, it's just a collection of their documentaries and then uh, 
and, and, and introductory videos to the website and whatnot. So the little star symbol, that's not very useful. Now the fist, okay? The fist is an interesting one. The fist, if you click that, it gives you three options. The first option is a uh, history of the Tokyo Dome. It has every Tokyo Dome show, and those are all complete. Yeah. So you can go back and watch any match from any Tokyo Dome show if you click the fist and then click the Tokyo Dome uh, uh, deal that's underneath there. Uh, the next thing to the right, which – what does it say when it's translated? Because there's three options here if you click the fist. It says burn New Japan Pro Wrestling feature. Uh, and if you click that – because I don't know what the hell that means. I believe – oh, you know what this is? This is all 67 volumes of the DVDs where all the right. matches from the network emanate from. Right, so like the best of New Japan, whatever they are. Correct, yeah. and the most recent one is this volume 67, and they all have six or seven matches on them, all from various eras. But, um, you know, uh, that would probably be more useful to a Japanese fan who's familiar with, you know, which matches on which DVD or whatnot. But you can find all these matches separately elsewhere on the site, so I don't really find that very useful. And then the third thing you can click with the fist is uh let's see what the trend you see you have to translate the page every time you go back to the page oh i have an auto translate i i do it where it's i'll have to show you one day how you can do it okay mine automatically doesn't it's very very convenient so uh bs asahi world wrestling ring okay what this is is the is the episodes of uh of their television show which um aren't very this is the show that airs in japan um but but see if you follow the product, you're never going to watch this because it's just matches from the pay-per-views. Yeah. So that's what their television show is. They're, right. Their television show. And they're month-old, month-old. I mean, you've already seen them probably. For example, <laughs> the newest one is the, no the no November 1st show because yeah. they're a month behind. I guess the television station is protecting themselves for, you know, protecting their ratings. So they're putting them up, you know, just like WWE. Don't they put up their Raws a month late? Yeah, yeah. You'll get like – yeah. Yeah, you get uh, – yeah, you'd get ones from – yeah, it's about a month. I think that's the exact yeah. time. It's a six weeks or a month, somewhere this around there. Is, but yeah, they're way it's up. scary similar to the WWE Network. Yeah, oh, so it's very. Ways. So, you know, if you want to watch the TV shows, I don't know why you would want to, um, since the paper, like, for example, this November 1st has matches from Wrestling Dantaku. It's got Romero, it's got uh, uh, the Young Bucks versus uh, um, the Forever Hooligans, Kota Ibushi versus Taguchi, and Okada versus AJ Styles. But, I mean, you could just go watch the entire Wrestling Dantaku if you want you know, for any other section. So, but if you want to watch the TV shows, they're there. So that's what the fist does. The next up is like a book. It looks like a book symbol or like an open book. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what that is, is, um, text-based things, which the last time I checked was empty and it actually said the word empty. Uh, but now there's stuff there. So I don't know. These are just like journals from people. It looks like. There's a smiling woman wearing a cardigan sweater, and then there's yeah, I, yeah. I saw that earlier. I don't know what any of that. Is. It's text-based, and I bet you the translations are hilarious. And I'm gonna look at those later. Uh, the next is a the a zero, like the number zero. This is stuff that's free if you haven't paid, because if you don't pay for this, you can still navigate around. Um, unlike WWE Network, you can look around this site. You just can't watch any of the videos. Right. You can see everything that's on it and click and check things out. Well, this is a little free section. 
and they've got uh, the Tanahashi documentary. They have the uh, the press conference. They have uh, promotional videos, things like that, videos that you can watch for free. And then the last symbol to the far right is the New Japan logo, and that takes you to the New Japan official website. Yep. So it is very easy to navigate, especially if you use the tags. You can find anything you want as long as you have some sort of translation going on. And, um, you know, I've been very happy with uh, the quality of the videos. No matter how old they are, they look like they happened last week. It's really amazing. You know, whether you watch something from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, or... Yeah, I was shocked at how good the 70s and, and 80s video looked. It, it was, I mean, it's not super crazy 1080p HD or whatever, and of course it's not going to be. But no, it, it, they were solid. They didn't look like they were grainy. Like, like you get that on the network, on uh, WWE Network sometimes, where you get where, you know, WCW or somebody taped over their tape, so they have to get like yeah. a, a VHS copy of it or whatever that somebody else had, where you'll get stuff where it's like, you know, it'll, there'll be like a tracking symbol or they'll say, oh, this part of the match is cut out or whatever. You don't get that. I mean, everything is very complete. Oh, it, it, the quality blows away the older footage on the net. Yeah. You look at the, you, you watch the network, go watch a house show from like 1982 and it's grainy and it's, you know, it looks like something from 1982. Then click on a Tiger Mask Dynamite Kid match and it looks like it happened, it literally looks like it happened last week. Uh, the, the, the video quality is excellent. Um, you know, and, and again, it's, it's very easy to search around. You just got to deal with some funny translations. Like if you're looking for, if you want to watch Alex Shelley matches, you know, you got to look for Patrick Martin because for some reason they have a shoot name on there. And, uh, you know, the same thing, like like Dynamite Kid is Thomas Billington, you know, not even Tom Billington. Which, right. You know, we talked about Bad Rock Ware <laughs> and, uh, you know, low-key, lo L-O-W-K-E-Y, like literally yeah. low-key. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. Some of the translations uh, are real wacky. Where, where were some of the uh, – there was some real wacky. Some of the people who only have one or two matches, like uh, Nosawa Rangai, his translation is Nosawa out of the question. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I guess Rangai <laughs> means out of the question in Japanese. Um, you know, so what were some of the other funny ones here? Nakanishi had a good one. I forgot what it was. It's just some like odd word. Yeah, let me find him. Bill Kazumeyer. Let's see. Big Daddy Yum Yum gets translated directly. For people oh, wondering, okay. so if you look, I was yeah, Big Daddy Yum Yum. Uh, Who's Bad Boy Outrageous? Bad Boy Outrageous. I don't see. He's that. right above Nosawa out of the question. Oh, let, let me let me click and see if we can figure out who this oh, yeah. is. Uh, Nosawa, <laughs> Bad Boy Outrageous. Wow, with one <laughs> match. Let's see if I can figure out who this is. Oh, uh, looks like some shoot fighter from the yeah. <laughs> it's from 2006, so it's one of Anoki's uh, shoot fighter geeks. Uh, yeah. I don't recognize them all. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to click the video because I'll probably get disconnected. And I don't recognize them from the uh, thumbnail. But yeah, it's some shoot fighter geek. Um, yeah, so yeah. And then Charlie Haas is like, who said he's like someone else? He's you know like, what's funny about? Oh, he's Davey Richards. Yeah, right? Charlie Char Haas is Davey Richards. Charlie yeah. Haas is Davey Richards. So there are some <laughs> little bugs because of, you know that was it. That is labeled as the. Uh, Tanahashi title defense against Charlie Haas on the yeah. U.S. tour from 2011, I believe, from either Philly or New York. From New York, right? Oh uh, yeah, from the New York, yeah. And I was excited because I'd never seen. I don't think that's been available anywhere. So I went to watch that, and it's actually Tanahashi versus Davy Richards from one of the other shows. So there are little bugs like that that you'll encounter. I also saw that they mixed up Ricky Choshu with um, Yuji Nagata a couple times. Mm -hmm. So there's some stuff like that. Um, but, you know, look, it, they'll clean that stuff up, I would assume, eventually. Um, Did you see Paul Orndorff? No, what's Paul Orndorff? He's uh, Paul Ondofu. Oh, Ondofu. Okay. Ondofu, yes. Yeah. Paul Here's a funny Oops, one. Uh, Jax Dane. 
Here's how they have – he's Jax Dan, but here's the spelling. J-A-C-K apostrophe S. <laughs> they tried. D-A-N. So Jax, well, Jax Dan is uh, is Jax Dane. And he's a uh, you have uh, Sasaki Righteous. Sasaki is – Sasaki. Who is Suncare? <laughs> There's a guy that's Suncare. Suncare. I think these are all one. These got to be all just like terrible shoot fighters. More than likely. Who is Suncare? He's wrestling with – it's Tanahashi. January 4, Tokyo Dome 8. Who did, he, who did he main event with in 2007? Tanahashi at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, top, Apparently it's Suncare. Top of my head, I don't know. Click oh, here, let's... let's. <laughs> it's like some guy, a bald dude in red trunk. It almost looks like Loki, but... <laughs> let, me, let me confirm here. I gotta see who this is. Who is Suncare? You look, you look that up. I, I do know that yeah. I, I just... I didn't, I didn't notice this before. Punisher Dice Morgan is on here. So you get a little, under, oh, nice. a little Undertaker action. And probably the match where he teams with Scott Hall. Oh, Tayo K? Who's Tayo K? Oh, yeah. Tayo Kia, yeah. Oh, Tayo Kia. That's it, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's Suncare, so... All right. That makes sense. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> it doesn't make sense that he's Suncare, but it makes sense that, you know, we now yeah, know okay, who that there. man is. Uh, let's see... <laughs> this is crazy. Oh, the other thing is the masked wrestlers, okay? They, oh, they have no fucking clue. Well, no, no, what I was going to say was they're not listed with their unmasked identities. In other words, if you click Chris Benoit, you're not going to get yeah. any of the Pegasus uh, Pegasus kids. Oh, Wild Pegasus, yeah. Well, well no, yeah. yeah, Wild Pegasus, one is without the mask and one's with. Wild Pegasus, yeah. Pegasus kid, but they're all separate. And the other thing is if you click Tiger Mask, you're getting all generations of Tiger Mask. Right, you're getting, yeah, unfortunately, you're getting Tiger Mask 4 as well. Right, so. 4 is mixed with 1 and mixed with Koji Kanemoto. So same thing with the uh, Black Tiger. The, the Black Tiger matches, it's Eddie Guerrero mixed with Mark Rocco. Uh, there were no Rocky Romero matches. There's no... Uh, some of the later versions of Black Tiger that have come in recent years. But yeah, they, they, so the gimmicks are all mixed together. So you need to watch out for that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, so far I've been very happy with it. The response online and in message boards and stuff, I haven't really seen anybody complain about it. Everybody seems to be enjoying it. But like I said, you know, you really need to temper that because the live stream is going to tell the story. Yeah. So um, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get into a few other topics here before we uh, got about. Yeah, we're only about two hours in. That's not bad. No, actually, even less than that. I'm surprised. I thought this was going to be like a four hour show, but we're doing OK. Uh, well, we're talking about New Japan. You want to cover the World Tag League here real quick? Yeah, let's go over it. All right. Well, let's give a little bit of a current standings uh, of where people are at. I'm just going to list kind of the top contenders at this point because I don't really think we need to go, you know, deep, deep, deep with a, every single guy. But um, how about, uh, how about Crusher, comma, Bam Bam Bigelow? <laughs> Who, what's the crusher part of that? He was crusher big, you know, they just, I don't know. They combined it, okay. you know, crusher big. There's a guy named uh, something thick. I don't know who that is. A lot of these guys are like of that, that era of New Japan that I know nothing about, that, that like early 2000 era where you just random shoot fighting.